Angie Dundee, Ali's trainer, right next to me is saying it. You may hear him. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier. The heavyweight champion is taking the mandatory H-L, and Foreman is as poised as can be in a neutral corner. He is... Welcome, this is Zoots Boxing Talk, the boxing show where we bring you a sweet science, straight up, with no twist. And how's everybody doing out there this evening, Thursday, May the 4th, 2017? My name is Anthony George, also known as Zoot, and I will be your host for this evening. A little bit later on, we'll be speaking with Ron Christian, John J. Responte, and Gene Aguilera as our main focus show the big Mexican warfare. Oscar De La Hoya says it's going to be the biggest fight in Mexican history. We'll speak with uh, Gene about that when he comes on uh, and the others, but uh, that's kind of Gene's expertise, if you will. Of course, Canelo versus Junior. We'll, we'll also be touching on the classic, and yes, I said classic, heavyweight fight between Anthony Joshua and Vladimir Klitschko, and uh, we'll talk about that in some depth with those gentlemen as well. Uh, we've been off the air for a couple of weeks, so let's get to some salient points. There were a lot of salient points to uh, cover. A lot of things happened since we've last been on the air, both the boxing world and in my uh, personal life. Uh, we'll get to that part a little bit later on. But in the boxing world, uh, when I last left you, I was all set to cover the uh, 
Andre Berto versus Sean Portercard in Barclays Center covering that for Ringside Report, and I did. And uh, interesting night of boxing, and uh, obviously the main event was the big story, as uh, in my opinion, what I saw was Sean Porter fouling his way into title contention as he uh, bullied and broke pretty much every uh, rule in boxing that you could break without really getting much heat from uh, the referee. Porter, uh, Berto rather had no uh, help from the referee in that fight in terms of the fouls that uh, Porter was doing over and over again, uh, jumping in with his head, thinking he was uh, Lawrence Taylor instead of a pugilist. Uh, elbows, forearms, I mean, anything out there. Very, very little warning. I mean, uh, should have been at least uh, a couple of points taken away. I mean, that, that, I mean, and look at what Porter said after the fight. He was totally embarrassed by the fact of, about the headbutts. Or was he? I mean, is this the biggest all shucks guy on the planet, or is he really in a different mode once he laces up those gloves in the bell ring? But he's certainly aware, he's more aware than most people who watched what was going on with the Billy Goat style. And and I, and I don't think, it, I think it was something that was calculated. If you pay attention to that first round, early in that first round, he was trying to fight Berto a little bit from distance, not uh, rushing so much uh, with the head. And he wasn't doing too well. I thought Berto was getting uh, the better of the fight when it was that distance. And it didn't last too long. And some real disturbing comments uh, on social media from boxing writers, from people I respect. Uh, and Berto's a guy that's never gotten credit for anything. I mean, uh, for uh, for whatever reason. I mean, I, in the early days, I thought it was because he was uh, managed by Al Heyman. The uh, port is managed by Al Heyman, too. But now that we got the whole PBC thing going on. Well, for whatever reason, Berto's just one of those guys that, you know, you want to throw darts at. The boxing community has certain fighters that they love throwing darts at and other fighters that they love protecting. And, and you know, Berto, really, I mean, to me, this is not even a, a fair fight to judge because of the, the way it was fought by Porter and the way the referee was so inequipped to deal with that. But nevertheless, Porter steps up, gets the victory, apologizes for the headbutts and all that kind of stuff and is in line to fight Keith Thurman again. And, it, and, and I was sitting there watching the fight and writing my notes on the fight. I was kind of like, you know, eh, this really tells... I mean, I, was, I always thought Thurman was pretty good. Uh, but now I know how good he really is. Because he pretty much, even though it was a close fight, he pretty much neutralized the illegal stuff by Porter, and I thought the fight was fought on Porter's terms. I thought Thurman fought Porter's fight, but he did so minus all the extracurriculars. And you have to be a very skilled uh, boxer to do that. Uh, you have to be in great shape to do that. And you have to be one tough SOB to be able to handle that. Uh, but Thurman's another guy that uh, people like, if you look at social media, he's a guy, oh, let's throw darts at him. He's not really that good. Rubs people the wrong way because he's like, I don't know, an intellectual. I, I don't get it. Uh, I mean, you know, people, I guess, could say the same thing about me about certain fighters that I don't like, but I'd be willing to sit down and talk to you any day of the week as to why. Uh, and, and some people were worried about, they thought it was an insult that Porter was the B-side in this fight. Are you kidding me? That's what you're worried about? Porter being the B-side? Are you kidding me? 
I mean, if we're going to crack wise on boxers who care about that stuff, care about who enters the ring first, that you as a professional want to be a respected journalist, want to crack, want to worry about Porter being on the B side. I won't uh, mention any names. Hopefully, that person's listening. So the the rest of the night of boxing was okay. I mean, uh, the the story of the night for me, other than what's going to happen with the welterweight division, because Thurman, uh, you know, by all means and by all rights, could uh, just wait and fight the winner of the uh, other championship fight coming up, Spence and uh, Brooke, which is going to be a fantastic fight. But uh, the other big story of the night was Jermell Charles' destruction over Charles Hatley. And in this fight, I thought Charlo was taking his time. He was giving away. I, 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 I thought he gave away the first round, although by maybe that by default because he wasn't really throwing much. Hatley was throwing the uh, more meaningful punches early in the fight, I thought. But then uh, towards the end of, uh, I want to say, the fourth round, Charlo uh, really showed that he was going to be the boss with a right hand at the very end of the round that hurt Hatley. And uh, obviously, uh, they had a knockdown early in the third round, I believe it was. Uh, but uh, it might have even been the second round that day. It's been a couple of weeks since I watched this fight. But uh, as soon as uh, Charlo established his power, it wasn't really much of a fight. And then, of course, the explosive knockout. And then you had Amanda Serrano uh, winning another title in the fight for me. That was just okay. I mean, I, I, you know, I love women's combat sports. I love women in the UFC and the mixed martial arts as a whole. And I want to see women's boxing do well. I, I, I was very boisterous thinking that the Heather Hardy and Shelly Vincent should have gotten more consideration for fight of the year last year. But this fight was just okay to me. It wasn't anything spectacular. It was more about the story than the substance in the ring. And uh, the rest of the night was just okay. I mean, uh, a lot of mismatches, a lot of knockouts in Brooklyn. Uh, but uh, you got two things in the making there that are really uh, going to dictate the rest of the year. Where does Charlo go from here as he looks like a big explosive puncher and an impressive win? And does Thurman opt to fight Porter right away? Those are the interesting points of uh, what we got out of the Brooklyn card uh, April 22nd. Uh, and obviously the other big story uh, before we get to Gene is, uh, and I'll talk to this more about the guys later on, the big Heavyweight fight in uh, Wembley Stadium, packed house, absolute classic, Klitschko, Joshua, first couple of rounds, started off ordinary, but uh, it soon heated up, and it looked like uh, Joshua was going to put away uh, Klitschko early, within five rounds, I think it was, when uh, he first got hurt. And that would have uh, cemented or solidified or legitimized whatever word you want to use. All of the Vladimir Klitschko haters out there, and there's a bunch of those guys as well. Uh, you know, really uh, downplaying his, uh, I think, very impressive championship run over the years. A uh, very skilled fighter. I mean, a guy who, uh, you know, knockouts aside, I mean, he's been knocked out a bunch, and he was knocked down in this fight. I mean, Certainly, we could get into a discussion about that anytime you want to, but he pulled something out of himself in this fight that he never really did before and came back and really 
really put Joshua to the test. I mean, when he dropped him with that right hand, I, I, I thought it was over. I thought it, I thought it was over when Klitschko uh, went down for the second time. I thought it was over when uh, Joshua ate that big right hand. And I mean, you know, if you want to get critical, perhaps Klitschko could have stepped on the gas a little more when he had Joshua Hurd because he looked like he was more out of it than. Klitschko was at the respective points of uh, their moments, if you will. But Joshua hangs on, rallies late, and we'll talk more about this fight in depth fashion a little later on with John Responde. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and have on Gene Aguilera, who's going to discuss the big fight coming up this Saturday. show where we bring you sweet science straight up with no twist. Doesn't appear as if Gene is quite ready, so we'll try him again in another minute or two. Uh, I just tried him off the air. I'm going to try him live because uh, even if he doesn't answer, his voicemail does not say his number, just his name, so there's no danger there. I don't like to play guys messages on the air if uh, obviously their number is on. I'm not Donald Trump. I don't give out phone numbers. To people over the airwaves. Enough about that for now. So yeah, so uh, you know, another minute or two, we'll try Gene again. He should be ready uh, shortly. But uh, uh, talking about the the Klitschko uh, Joshua fight, and uh, it just had everything that you could ask for in a, a heavyweight fight. But but once again, when you go on social media after a lot of this, and, and you know. I guess this is commonplace, and it would have been commonplace probably uh, back then, too, if such things existed. Uh, certainly, people had these thoughts, and you have that uh, mindset all the time about the uh, idea that, uh, you know, if you're an older gentleman or, or, or a female who watches sports of any kind, you know, the people in your day did it better. And uh, we saw a lot of that in the... Uh, 
posts after Klitschko Joshua. So, I mean, if your first thoughts are, oh, man, this is nothing compared to Ali Frazier or any of those uh, fights that happened like 40-something years ago, I mean, if this is, if that's your thought after virtually every big fight that you watch, why do you still watch? Well, why don't you read a book or do something else more productive? Because it doesn't seem like you're enjoying it. Why bother? I mean, who cares if you if Ali and Frazier did it better? I mean, we, we could debate that. Uh, these two guys fought in front of a raucous crowd, ninety thousand, did not disappoint. Both came back from the brink of really being hurt, showed the fortitude, the resiliency, the skills that we love, and you're shitting on them because they're not Ali Frazier. I don't get it. Why do you bother watching? And another asinine comment I saw on the uh, on social media is there was no body punching in this fight. Well, the next time Ali plans a body attack against any of his opponents would be the first time. And these are the greatest things since sliced bread in a lot of people's eyes. And why does he get away with not being a body puncher, but these guys get ridiculed because they didn't go to the body? I, mean, I just don't get it. I don't understand how nothing but bliss, euphoria, a wonderful aesthetic of experience. I mean, that's the only thing you should have got out of Joshua Klitschko. Not the negatives. I don't get it. I don't know why these guys watch. I really don't. All right, let's try Gene before I get into even more trouble. See if he's ready. Trying him live on the air. Back in the day, this used to uh, drive White Saga leaves Cleveland crazy. Hello? Not quite. Oh, what's he doing? It's not professional. What's he doing making phone calls on the air? Passive aggressive douchebag. Oh, I'm going after everybody tonight. Let's see. Hello, Gene, you there? That sounded like Gene Gene's voicemail is not uh Oh, we'll leave Gene a message on the air. Hey Gene, this is Anthony uh George from Zoots Boxing Talk. Uh a little after our scheduled time. Uh if you can call in live, five one five six zero five nine seven three two. Again, it's Anthony George for the boxing interview. Five one five six zero five nine seven three two. Okay, so there we go. So uh, we'll see. We got Mr. Responde is not scheduled till nine, but uh, maybe we could get him on early if Gene fails to uh, deliver. But I'll give Gene another five minutes or so before I decide. I decide what to do next. So I don't want to talk much about Canelo Chavez Jr. yet because we're going to talk a lot about that. Ron Christian, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of fun with Ron. He hasn't been on the show in a while. And uh, when he does, come on. I mean, even when it's not brought up, he talks about his displeasure for the antics of Canelo Alvarez and especially this fight coming up. So that should be fun a little bit later on. So, uh, I mean, we got... uh, this great heavyweight fight. We got a lot of negative uh, responses uh, from it. Uh, but the, the one thing I think that's uh, important to talk about now is that, and I found this interesting when they said it even before the outcome of the fight was over, that uh, there's a rematch 
in the uh, contract. Uh, whether you know, either way, the, the rematch is solidified, so to speak. Although contracts in boxing could always you could always get around them. I understand that, but the idea that going in, both of these guys uh, knew that they had a rematch uh, possibility. Uh, you know, I mean, they can't worry about that so much. But especially uh, Vladimir Klitschko, who's uh, you know 41, coming off a long layoff, and he, you know he didn't look at 41 years of age at all. But obviously, took some big punishment, got knocked out. Although the stoppage was kind of uh, quick, I thought. I mean, I mean, I didn't think that they should have stopped it. Uh, I, I don't know why I didn't bring that up earlier. I just remembered. It's been a while, and it's been kind of hectic. But uh, <laughs> that, that was another thing. So, that, I mean, even though it seemed like we were headed towards a Klitschko stoppage, we were, we were headed, it seemed like that early in the fight as well, and Klitschko uh, bounced back. I mean, he wasn't eating big crushing shots at the time of the stoppage. If you look at it, he was defending himself. He wasn't getting, it wasn't a, a Aaron Pryor, Alexis Arguello moment or, or anything of that stature where clean, unanswered, hard, dangerous punches were bouncing off of his jaw the way every, every Dominic Brazil fight seems to go. And Brazil winds up winning most of them. <laughs> you know, Joshua, the one guy that winds up beating him. But uh, talk about a guy who's got a great skill in blocking punches with his face. Dominic Brazil is that. So, I mean, I don't know. Uh, so that's another thing. But uh, will the uh, rematch happen? Will that come to fruition? Because to me, in the way Klitschko spoke and carried himself... To me, he was talking like that was his last fight. I mean, he, here's a guy that could do a lot of things. You hope uh, saved, made a lot of money with all of the fights that he had in his territory, with you know, in front of a big crowd. You hope he's financially well off with all the fights that he's had. If not, that's another a huge blow to uh, boxing and. Uh, you know, the, the stigma of all the history. You want to talk about the old man card. I mean, how, how well were those old timers treated and taken care of financially? I mean, you want to really go back to the days where the mob controlled everything and uh, guys were robbed left and right. And there were more, uh, you know, behind the back deals and fixed fights. Talents such as Jake LaMotta had to throw fights, had to throw a fight to get a title shot. You mean to tell me those are the days you can't let go of? Interesting. Interesting that you all feel that way, old man. But come on. I'm having fun tonight. What are you going to tell? What can you say? All right, so let's try Gene one more time on the air, and then I'll have to go to plan B. Here we go. This is for you, Lee. Hey, Gene, how are you? We finally got you, buddy. Hello? Anthony George. Yes, can you hear me? Hello? Anthony, yes, and now I can. All right, beautiful. Gene, we're on the air live, so we're going to get right Thank to it. You. Yes, Thank you. Yes, how are you, Anthony? I'm doing great. So let's introduce you properly, Gene, before we get into our wonderful conversation, as we always have. 
So, yes. uh, Gene Ackerman, uh well, introduce yourself since you, you are one of the more articulated men I know in terms of boxing. So, tell the fans who you are. They already know who you are, but tell them about your book, about <laughs> what you do at the Boxing Hall of Fame before we get into our discussion. Go ahead, Gene. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Anthony. My name is Gene Aguilera, and I'm out here in the West Coast, Los Angeles, California. And uh, I wrote a book a couple of years ago and uh, called Mexican-American Boxing in Los Angeles. And uh, I want to thank you for doing an interview with me a, a couple of years ago when the book came out, Anthony. And also, uh, I work with uh, Ruben Olivares, the great bantamweight and featherweight world champion, Hall of Famer, uh, who was inducted in the International Boxing Hall of Fame in 1991 in Canastota, New York. And uh, he's such a hit with the fans, Anthony, that we've been invited yeah. to go to back to International Boxing Hall, Hall of Fame every year since 1991. Can you imagine that? Do the math. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I've seen it firsthand, Gene, uh, along with yourself. Ruben and uh, Pepino Cuevas have all signed their photos in the book that you uh, put together. Wonderful book. Uh, Ruben yes. is always there at the card show. He walks around very approachable. They're one of the few fighters, him and Pepino, that you could walk up to while you're mingling in the crowd at the boxing show. So very approachable. And uh, this will be yes. my third year. I will be going for my third time in June. And I'm uh, can't wait to see you and uh, Ruben and all the other fighters as well. But yeah, Ruben. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, also, Chiquita Gonzalez is going with us. We're all going in a group. Chiquita Gonzalez, a great flyweight champion, and also uh, also going with us is Marco Antonio Barrera, the 2017 inductee. Oh, great! I love all those guys. So I'm looking forward to seeing you and all of them there. Yes, Anthony. Can't wait. It's only in a, a month away, you know. It's a one month, basically one month away from we're taking off. Yeah, it's unbelievable, and uh, it's always a great weekend and uh, a busy weekend for the fighters. But uh, the yes, uh, but one of those guys who seems to embrace it at, at all times. Never doesn't seem to get tired or or you know need a break from all of the the craziness. A lot of those other fighters. Uh, seem to need that. They need that separation. Uh, they need a little right. bit more organized uh, setting if they're going to be approached for autographs. But Ruben, he said, "Come on, I'm I'm here." Ruben, Ruben, that's what made Ruben uh, such a charismatic uh, uh, person when he in his heyday. You know, he was approachable. He was with the people. You know, he wasn't he wasn't snobbish. He wasn't hiding. Ruben is uh, uh, parties with the people, and he fought for his people. Oh, definitely, definitely. But uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the Boxing Hall of Fame and what you got coming up next in a few. Uh, but uh, I wanted to talk to you about this fight uh, this weekend. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya is calling it the biggest fight in uh, Mexican history, obviously, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. and uh, Canelo Alvarez. So I want to talk, take that point, and I want you to analyze that point first. Yes, this yes. Mexican, Mexican history, because... 
obviously the Mexican American boxing has a great history, and uh, over in Mexico, one of the biggest things is uh, the boxing. When we've had many, many big fights, where does this one fall? Right. Uh, you know what, Anthony? I want to say it's it falls right in the middle. I mean, it, it's a it is the biggest fight in terms of money, in terms of financial. Uh, gain it is the biggest fight between two Mexican fighters because of the you know the uh, the bang for the buck nowadays you know they're they're charging a lot for tickets and and a lot for pay per views so in terms of a financial success it is the biggest fight between two two Mexican fighters now in terms of a uh, from a boxing point of view, I think it falls right in the middle because, I mean, we've had some great fights. Let's, let's, let's take it back to uh, Ruben Olivares against uh, Chucho Castillo. They fought three times, 44 rounds at the Forum. Uh, unbelievable war. Uh, Ruben won the first fight. The second fight, uh, Chucho Castillo gave him his first defeat. On a cut, you know, I have to, I have to, I want to uh, tell everyone that it was stopped on a cut. Uh, it was from a, a headbutt. Ruben told me, in fact, Ruben was here last weekend. I don't know. Did you see some of the uh, Facebook pictures I posted up last yeah, week? Yeah, yeah. Hmm? yeah Ruben was I here uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, he got, he got inducted into the National Boxing Hall of Fame, which is a smaller organization, local organization out here. So Ruben told me, you know, I, I, I wanted to pick his brain about his first loss, and he said it started. It was a headbutt uh, that he got from Chucho Castillo, and during the fight, it just kept on opening and opening, and you know, by the 14th round, I mean, the referee had to stop it. It was a bloody mess. So that was Ruben's first defeat, and then they fought a third time. And uh, Ruben got, got his title back. He beat Chucho Castillo, so he won two out of three. So that, that goes down as one of the greatest all-Mexican uh, uh, fight, fights that, that, that in, in, his, in boxing history. Another great one, of course, was Carlos Sarate against uh, Lupe Pintor at Lee Caesar's Palace. That was a very controversial fight. Uh, Lupe, Carlos really busted up uh, Lupe Pintor. His face was, uh, he was grotesque the way he looked afterwards. He was all full of lumps mm -hmm. and bumps. And Do you remember that fight, Anthony? Yes, yes, very do you remember, much so. Do you remember that fight? Yeah, Carlos Sarate against Lupe Pintor. And uh, that was a, a huge fight at Caesar's Palace. And, of course, uh, you've had, uh, uh, you had uh, uh, Marco Antonio Barrera, Against uh, uh, against the uh, oh my god, uh, I'm losing my mind. Uh, from Tijuana, Eric Morales, Eric Terrible Morales. Oh yeah, that was a, a three. That was a three fight series. Uh, reminded me a lot of uh, Ruben Olivares against Chucho Castillo. That was just a three fight war, and then also. You can throw it. I think they, these guys fought four times, and I and I write about all these in my new book, Anthony, which we'll get to later. Uh, we had the four fight series of Israel Vasquez against Rafael Marquez. Right, wonderful. Fight. So, so you know that was a those were just amazing wars. This one, 
you know, I am going to Las Vegas. We're leaving tomorrow night. Uh, it's I look. I you know what? I look for a very entertaining fight tomorrow night. Neither of these guys is going to run. It's not going to be Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather. It's going to be these guys don't move. They're not real fast, so they're going to be right in front of each other. And they're just going to go head on. It's going to be a war uh, Saturday night. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah interesting uh, that you did not mention De La Hoya and Senior. I know a lot of it had to do with the fact that uh, Chavez Senior De La Hoya kind of against. Ah, yes. You know what? I I I didn't I didn't mention that for the reason that De La Hoya was born in Los Angeles, so. I, I I look at this as an all Mexican, a Mexican 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 wars, you know. Gotcha. gotcha. So a lot of those fights were were great because of the action they produced, right? Uh, but, yes. Uh, the, the hype going in was it was was the hype going in big? I mean, I don't remember the first Morales Barrera fight being hugely hyped. It was a little known fight that it was going on on HBO Box and because right that had big hype and they actually actually made it to pay-per-view if I'm not mistaken for the last fight so, so you know, right they, they right their with the fight this one seems to be uh, buzzing uh, within the, the Mexican community big time beforehand now yes. obviously you're in Los Angeles not Mexico but I would imagine that this is like Ali Frazier in the Mexican <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody, you know, everybody's wanted this fight for a long time. It was a natural. I they even these guys even sparred together back, you know, four years ago or something like that. There's footage of that. Uh, but everybody wanted these guys to fight. But you know, they, you know, we all know that uh, Chavez Jr. has been pretty lax in his training, and. Uh, you know, he, yeah. he, 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 do you remember that when he fought uh, Sergio Martinez? Mm-hmm. He was, uh, you know, Freddie, Freddie Roach would be at the gym at midnight waiting for him. He never showed up. He wouldn't do road work. You know, he just got a lot of bad habits. But um, Chavez Jr., he fought in December. I saw it on TV. He fought in, in Monterey, Mexico. And he fought some guy from uh, Europe, I believe. I don't England, I think. Lee, uh, Lee Schribner, and it was a good fight for Chavez. He looked good, uh, and that fight got him this big money fight that he's gonna uh, for Saturday night. Uh, you know, one good performance got him into the big arena. Now, uh, in terms of Chavez as a career overall junior, obviously, I mean. How, has he gotten everywhere because of his name? I mean, if this guy was somebody else without without the legendary father, would he have even had a chance to get to this moment? No, I don't think he would have. Uh, you know, he never fought as an amateur. He went straight into pros. And they say his first fight, he got 25000 And Canelo's first fight, he got $40. So you can see there's a big dichotomy right there. It's a big difference. Uh, but you know, Junior, to his credit, you know, he's he's a he's a big kid. You know, 
He's he's about three inches taller than Canelo. He's got a longer reach. He's 31 years old. Canelo's 26. Uh, uh, so it's going to be interesting, you know. Uh, he's going to Chavez Jr. is going to make weight tomorrow, and then he's going to hydrate up. They say up to a light heavy. So it's going to be very interesting. Uh, how he's going to look against uh, Canelo. Canelo may not be able to rock him. You know, uh, Canelo's going to be, uh, I'm sure he's going to be like a super, super middle, but Chavez Jr. is going to be a light heavy. Now, now what about the uh, attitude of the fighters? It appears like there's genuine dislike. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, can you speak on that? Yes, yeah, there's no love lost with these guys. You know, uh, I, I, did you know, I was going to tell you a story. This fight is not a championship fight. So uh, they are going to fight for a belt that the WBC made up. It's called the Cinco de Mayo belt. And uh, uh, did you hear about that, uh, Anthony? Yes, I have. Did you guys hear about that? Yeah, and Canelo doesn't seem to be too happy with the WBC as of now. No, no, he's not happy with the WBC because they took away his belt when when uh, they gave him 15 days to negotiate negotiate a fight against Triple G, and uh, Canelo got him. Uh, he was uh, involved in a court case against his previous promoter prior to De La Hoya, so he couldn't. I mean, his mind was 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 set on that so he gave away his WBC belt the WC got it WBC got it and gave it to Triple G uh, Canelo's not happy about that but another thing he's, uh, Canelo said yesterday that the WBC has made up this uh, fictitious belt so they can get sanctioning fees and he says they're not going to get any of mine no. So yeah. he's not a, he's not gonna he's not gonna he's not gonna accept it. He's not gonna accept it. I, I and I got I have, I have issues with Canelo and I'll get to that in a second. But uh, I admire anybody sure. that's up to sanctioning bodies. But uh, uh, a lot of people have been sour on Canelo and sour on this fight uh, because of the fact that uh, he's fighting Chavez at a heavier weight in lieu of uh, Triple G at middleweight. And he has yet to fight a real middleweight fight where he had to make that weight. He, it's uh, like, I can't make middleweight. Uh, but, uh, you know, thinking about it, I don't know if Canelo's ever actually said himself he cannot make middleweight. I mean, he's fought for the middleweight title out of catchweight with Cotto. Uh, and uh, we've been clamoring for the G Triple G fight for a while now. And then he goes and fights a much bigger guy than uh, Triple G, and a lot of people are sour on that. So what was your uh, right? What's your reaction to that? Where do you stand well, with that? Well, yeah. Well, here, here's what Anthony. Here's what happened after Canelo knocked out Amir Khan. He got in the ring and during his his post fight interview, and he and he called Triple G was there. He called him out. He goes, Triple G, come into the ring. You know. Uh, you know, I, I I'm gonna fight you next. Get ready. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you out. And it was just a lot of talk, you know. But a lot of people soured on that. The fact that he called him out, yet the fight was never made. 
And those in the know know that that they're waiting for Triple G to age a little bit. He's 35 now. Uh, they want to. Put, I I don't think that that if Canelo wins Saturday, I don't think you'll see the Triple G fight in September. I think they're going to put it off for maybe next Cinco de Mayo. Uh, they, they they want they want they want Triple G to get a little nicked up and a little bit older, you know, like the tough fight right. that Triple G had against against. Uh, uh, oh God, what's his name? Uh, a couple okay. months ago, Danny okay. Jacobs. Okay. Yeah, the tough fight that he had against Danny Jacobs. Uh, you know, Danny Jacobs, I think, was a light heavy at, at that fight. Uh, and uh, he didn't. He didn't. He. You know. You know that Danny Jacobs didn't want to weigh in the, the day of the fight. You know. You're right. He 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 didn't want to weigh in, and 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 uh, and and the W the IBO did not sanction him. Even if he would have won that fight, he wouldn't have not have gotten the IBO belt because of of his refusal to weigh in. So, so you know that was a that was a tough fight for Triple G, and and, and the Oscar uh, the Golden Boy Promotions was happy about that. But I don't think you're yeah. going to see Triple Triple G Canelo in September. I just don't think so. And the other side of it, Gene, is the business side of it, which people might not want to hear, but. I agree with Oscar De La Hoya. I mean, Triple G does not bring pay-per-view numbers to the table. The, the Jacobs fight was a disaster for, for pay-per-view. Canelo could fight just about anybody and do big numbers on pay-per-view. So if they're demanding the king's ransom of the split, which from what I understand is one of the problems in negotiations with this fight, they're entitled to it if it's all about business, is it not? Right, right. I think you know. I heard that Oscar offered Triple G a flat ten million, and Triple G said refused it. Uh, you know, they got to. I think they should give him ten mil and a piece of the paper. You know, a little piece of the pay per view. You know, because that that fight that fight's gonna that fight with Canelo and Triple G will bring in. That's gonna bring in. Uh, oh my God, million in the hundred million. You know, easily. Yeah, Triple G is not making ten million fight anybody else. I mean, I, I can't understand. Yeah, yeah. That, I I think I think uh, ten million uh, to Triple G plus a piece of the pay per view is is a, is a fair deal. That's what they should do for him, because I don't think Triple G has made ten million anywhere, has he? No, he's making close to that. Unless unless a freakish thing like a Mayweather fight happens, he's not seeing that kind of money. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it would be great for Canelo to, uh, you know, fight Junior, beat him, and then fight Triple G all in one year. That would certainly uh, shut up a lot of fans, although a lot of his haters will still hate. Uh, but what about <laughs> the fact that a lot of the HBO and their packaging, the, the Canelo-Triple G fight for September, I mean, how do you do that when you have this fight coming up on Saturday? It's almost like a foregone I know. conclusion. Win. I mean, it's foolish. I mean, it, it, people are going to buy Canelo no matter what, those who do. Uh, but it, to me, it's a foolish marketing standpoint to keep talking about Canelo Triple G because that relates to the casual fan. Well, this isn't much of a fight. This is a tune-up for Triple G. So why am I going to spend $65 for it? Right, right. I mean, I, I don't think the fight's a given for Canelo, but I do think Canelo's going to win that. 
I mean, he's been the dedicated fighter. Uh, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I feel Canelo's going to win Saturday. How do you feel about that? I, I think Canelo is going to kill him. And not literally. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, think he's gonna I don't think Chavez, I mean, other than being oversized, I don't think Chavez brings much to the table. Canelo uh, excels against guys he doesn't have to find. And I don't think this is going to be much different. Chavez Jr. has not showed me much. Now, if it's a point where he's so big and Canelo's punches do not have an effect, might be a little bit more interesting, but I think Canelo overall is the better offensive fighter, and if anything, will win a rugged decision. But uh, I don't see, uh, I mean, unless, you know, who knows? I mean, anything can happen when you have a much bigger guy against a smaller guy, but I give Junior a very small chance of winning his fight. Yeah. But I think it's. Yeah, I do too. I, I saw. Anthony, I saw a picture of uh, of uh, Junior yesterday, and man, he looks he looks pretty shrunken. You know, his face is uh, he, he 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 you know it's it's so his face is like very sucked in, very shrunken. You know what I mean? Right, right. His yeah, leg his boring. legs are his legs are skinny. It, you know, it's not a it's not a healthy look that he's got. I mean, he's gonna make weight tomorrow. There's no question. You know he, he's getting. You know that he's got in the contract where uh, uh, he gets fined a million dollars for every pound that he does that that he's overweight. Yeah, so his concentration is on all the making weight. He doesn't know how to do it properly. He doesn't know how to train properly. He's not going to learn now. Uh, he, he's a guy that uh, you know has gotten to this point basically without really training right or really winning a big fight. So what incentives does he have? All right, I don't want to lose a million. I'll make the weight, but I'm not going to do it the right way. And based on what you're telling me, physically, the, the evidence is there. He he looks is, I mean, he did train hard. He trained up high in the mountains over there, uh, Otomi Mountains near Mexico City, with uh, Nacho Berestein. He did train hard, but he doesn't look healthy. You know. Hey, Anthony. Yes, can you hear me? I was gonna yes, I was gonna tell you I'm I'm uh I'm driving home and there's a there might there's a couple spots here where it I know where it, it, it may click off, so if it does please call me right back. No problem. All right, so let's get to it. The next question I wanna ask you, uh Mexico obviously one of the biggest countries in terms of boxing tradition. Beloved, I mean, senior is probably the most popular ever, top two or three for sure. In Mexico, who's more popular, Canelo or Junior? Uh, I, I Canelo. Say it again. All right, right on cue. Junior, there. Yes, yes, yes. I hit that. We hit that one. We had one bad spot there. We're gonna hit one more. But. He's uh he's more he's more of the you know he's like a rock star down there you know he's young he's got money. We didn't hear you. You can't hear me. Canelo? Now I could. Yes. When you gave your okay, we didn't hear you. It was Canelo. I'm assuming based on what you're saying. Yes, yes. Canelo is the most popular in Mexico. I mean, he's like a rock star. Uh, I saw the uh, you know I saw all the press conferences on the internet. Yes. One in Mexico City and, and one in L.A. 
Pete. I think we Gene hit his other bad spot, so I'll give him a few seconds. Okay, there. I can hear you. I I can hear you. Yeah, we don't. We don't. Can you hear me? That. Yes. So, so re, re, re can you hear me? Just, yes. Yes. Uh, Canelo is definitely the rock star. I I saw the uh, uh, the press conferences that they had in Mexico and over here in the United States, and and Canelo is definitely uh, the A side. It seems all like he has a lot of fans who are against him. I mean, if you go on social media, Gene. And any of these uh, these groups uh, on Facebook, especially, there's a lot of negative. And uh, Canelo is a guy that had a lot of detractors from the beginning. So does he have right, many right. like a Floyd Mayweather kind of thing, where half the people tune in to watch him win, and the other half tune in to watch him? Uh-huh. You, you, know, you know, you know, you know. You know, though, uh, all all what you're saying is true, but he does get a lot of pay per views. You know, he's got he's got the numbers in the pay per view, uh, which is the most important. That's where they make a lot of money. Oh yeah, he, he's definitely the pay per view top guy right now with Mayweather. Gone. Right now, he is. He is. He is. In the fight, watch Mayweather hated him, and then they didn't like him. They hated him. So uh, well, you know what he fought. What, you know, when Canelo fought Mayweather, uh, he wasn't ready. You know, he, he right. Mayweather gave him a lesson. He Even though Mayweather did. He also had a drop weight, which just goes on. Uh, Mayweather likes to kill Pacquiao for all these catch weights. But that was one of the fights that, uh, you know, Canelo had to go down from weight that he was more accustomed to in that fight. Right, right. I think he had to drop to uh, what 147 to fight Mayweather, didn't he? I, I don't, as I remember. 52, I believe. I don't think it was that oh, bad, but still, it was a catch catch weight. Sounds like Gina. There's more than one bad. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Yeah, so I mean, I so obviously when you're talking pay per view, Gene, the magic number is a million buys. Uh, is there any doubt this is going to crack a million buys? Is it going to go over that? Oh, I, I yeah, oh, it definitely will crack a million buys because of all. Let me tell you, all the Mexican people in the United States, all the people in Mexico, are can't wait for Saturday night. I mean, everybody's got their favorite. I do think Canelo's a little bit more popular. But oh, you're gonna. I think you're gonna get nine hundred thousand to a million. Yeah, I think Canelo's popularity is more genuine. Where Junior's is all about his dad, uh, which is just about everything. And we lost Gene totally there. So we still have a few minutes. Let's try and call him back as he directed us to do so. But I do want to talk about his new project, and then, uh, we'll get the John responding. Okay, all the bad parts are gone. All righty, so uh, Gene, we'll all the bad, up. all the bad parts are gone. You know what? I think this fight Saturday night will hit anywhere from nine hundred thousand to million buys pay per view, and that's where they make their money. Definitely, definitely. But uh, Gene, we're coming to the end of your segment, so let's get right into your new uh, book, as you uh, alluded yes, to earlier. Yes, thank you. 
So uh, talk a little bit about that. What's going on with that? Yes. Thank you, Anthony. My my uh, my second book is going to be called Latino Boxing in Southern California, and it's going to be in Arcadia Publishing, the same book company that uh, put out my first book, Mexican-American Boxing in Los Angeles. Uh, this next book is uh, the difference between my, my next book and my first book is that this book will be more of the Latinos or, or Mexicanos, such as Julio Cesar Chavez, Salvador Sanchez, Juan Manuel Marquez, uh, also uh, Alexis Arguello, Roberta Duran. That's why I called it Latino Boxing in Southern California. We're going to have a lot more Ruben Olivares, Pepino Cuevas, Lupa Pintor. We're going to have all the great Mexican and Central American boxers in there. Because, right, as opposed call. to my first book, which, as opposed to my first book, which was Mexican, more Mexican American concentrated. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, definitely sounds uh, intriguing. Uh, you mentioned some of my favorite fighters of all time: Duran, Arguello, Chavez, Cuevas, uh, Marquez is one of one of my more uh, favorite modern fighters uh, you know, over the last 10, 15 years or so. So uh, you certainly already have a fan interest here, and I know you do uh, worldwide. So uh, when can we expect this book to be ready? Uh, it'll be out early 2018. I'm working on it. I'm working on it right now. I'm almost done. Uh, I should have it done by uh, September. Uh, and then, you know, the book company needs time to put it together and do some promotion and, and all that good stuff. Also, Chiquita Gonzalez will be in there. Michael Carbajal. Uh, you know, they had a great, uh, they had a great trilogy also. Definitely. Definitely. I remember watching those fights. Uh, each one better yes. than the next. Definitely. Right. We have a few more minutes. Uh, I'll get back to boxing all of them for a second as, I mean, it's you know, just to somebody like yourself or any boxing fan, it's just euphoria. And in terms of you've been going here forever with uh, Ruben, uh, yes. what, event, what particular event or moment do you like the best at the Boxing Hall of Fame? You know, I really like the boxing collector show at the at the gymnasium there. Because I get to walk right. around and, look through pictures and programs, you know, stuff gets, get, get some material for my book. And, uh, that, that's, that's my favorite, uh, part of, I think of the whole weekend. Yeah. That's fun. How about yourself? That's... What's your, what's your favorite? Well, that's right up there. And, uh, I, I love the banquet because that was the only chance I got to my favorite chance. I got to close to my favorite fighter of all time. Marvelous Marvin Hagel. I was chasing him all weekend, Gene. I couldn't get to him. But at the end of the banquet, uh, I was able to go after him. And at, at the end of the banquet, you know, if, if time allows, and it, there was last year, you get to go up uh, to all the fighters on the dais. And I got so many autographs at that banquet. But uh, I went to Marvin first. Wow. And then there was all these other uh, guys. I, I got Carlos Ortiz. Uh, I mean, uh, the Spanx Brothers guys. Uh, you know, I've had multiple times, but on different items so those are my two favorites and the banquet is great because uh you know they show great clips introducing the fighters you get to see the right from the heart last year that there was a great moment between roberto duran and his daughter 
who, from what I was told, was a totally different person at the Hall of Fame last year than the year he was inducted, which uh, people tell me was not so nice. Uh, last year, he was absolutely incredible. Yes, he was, because he was promoting his movie and his book. So he it was very accessible, very nice to everybody. Plus, his daughter was there, you know, so he had to behave a little bit. Right, right. So do you, do you think he, he'll be there uh, this year? Can you give us a, a little no, bit of a prediction? No, 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 he's, no Dur- Duran's not going to be there, but Marvelous Marvin Hagler will be there. Yes, I already got the email for that, so I'm excited about that. Yes. I'm excited to see you again. Uh, any, anybody else that, uh, that you anticipate being there that we didn't mention? I mean, it's going to be a big year. Holy uh, Kids getting inducted. Yes, Marco Tony Barrera. Uh, you know, just the the usual suspects, you know, Mickey Ward, uh, uh, you know, just the uh, the usual suspects, I think. With Holyfield getting in, do you think uh, there'll be a Tyson sighting? Do you think Mike Tyson might show up? He, he should be there, you know, he really should. That uh, Those guys... Those guys were so important to each other's career. I mean, I hope he shows, but there's no, there's been no, uh, I haven't heard anything about it. There has been no now, announcement the, that that Tyson's going. What was the most ah wow moment for you, a fighter that you met that you never in your wildest dreams thought you would have gotten close to, and not somebody that you worked oh. with uh, with Ben and all that, somebody else because you've been going there for a while, you've I, seen them all. Yes. Yes, uh, my 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 wow moment was uh, uh, meeting Joe Frazier, smoking Joe. Yeah, that yeah, was. Uh, I mean, I grew up to him watching you know, watching him on TV and reading about him in Ring magazine, and and there he was. So I met him a couple. He went a couple of years, and then uh, then he passed away. Unbelievable! I couldn't believe it that he that he died. You know. Four years ago, I didn't think there was anything wrong with him. Yeah, I didn't know of anything about him having health issues. It might have been kept under wraps, or uh, maybe maybe it was out there and we just didn't know. But that was a big shocker for sure. Uh, but yeah, yeah before we know it, he's gone. You know. Yeah, and a lot of these guys have gone, uh, but uh, there will be legends there in June, and we uh, will be there. And uh, I thank you, Gene, for coming on. Enjoy the fights. Saturday, definitely looking forward to talking to you after the fight since you'll be there live. And, yes, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, I, if you wanna, if you wanna call me after the fights, we, you, I give you the first-hand bird's-eye view of uh, being there. Feel free to call me. Just let me know. Oh, definitely, definitely, Gene Aguilera. All right, my friend. Now it's the time. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you to again. to you and to everybody out there. Thank you. And one last time for the fans, uh, tell them the, the book you currently have and where they can get it because it's a great book. So I'm yes. still might not have bought it, but it's still out there and it's still. I still look at it to this day. I, every once in a while, I, I marvel at my Oliveras and Cuevas autographs. It's just wonderful. Wow! They they signed the book. Did they sign my book for you? Yeah, you were there. You, you, we did it at the great. Yeah. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Anyway, uh, yes, my 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 book out that that's out now is Mexican American Boxing in Los Angeles, Arcadia Publishing. You can buy it on Amazon, eBay, or if you want, you can uh, you can call me at three two three six nine seven seven one nine seven, 
and uh, we can do a mail order, and I can sign it for you. All right. Uh, my new my book. book. Will... Yes. Yes. My new book will be out uh, early 2018, called Latino Boxing in Southern California, and it'll feature all more. It'll be more of a slant for the great Mexican fighters and the great Central American fighters. All righty, looking forward to that. Thank you, my friend. Looking forward to seeing you once again in June as well. Gene Aguilar, thank yes. you for coming on. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you so much, and to everybody out there. Thank you, and enjoy the flight. It should be good. Good night. All righty, so let's uh, take a quick break and get John Responte on right after this. And uh, for now, you get to hear the marvelous one. No Cam, tell us at what point the fight is ended. But anyway, it is another knockout for Marvin Hagler. He scored 36 knockouts now in 47 fights. He's won 44, lost two with one draw, and it is... Here's the announcement. Unable to continue. The winner by a knockout in the seventh round, Marvin Hagler. Marvin Hagler, and they have decided that the knockout was in the seventh round because the sixth yeah, round has other Hagler making play. a speech up there. I can't hear what he's saying with the crowd yelling. Hagler's got the microphone and he's making some speech. All righty, and the marvelous one never did get uh, Hugo Coro in the ring, but uh, he did get his conqueror and Vito Antofermo in the ring for two uh, big fights in uh, boxing history. All right, thank you, Gene Aguilera, once again, uh, giving us a really good bird's eye view of uh, the Mexican. American tradition in boxing and boxing over in Mexico and what this fight Saturday means to both. Uh, our next guest is the chief lead writer of MaxBoxing.com, a regular on the ringside uh, boxing show and co-author with Dennis Taylor of Intimate Warfare, the true story behind the Arturo Gotti versus uh, Mickey Ward trilogy, doing wonderful numbers on Amazon. I mean, let's not hold it against him that he's a Cubs fan, uh, you know, they're showing their true colors this year, still celebrating, thinking that uh, they are champions all year, which they are. they got to get their act together if they want to even make the playoffs. Mr. Responte, John J. Responte, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, Zoot, but hey, my cubbies are in first place, so, you know, show some respect now. Come on. Yeah, that don't count. I'm a Yankee fan. They know, won yeah. again. They won today, 5-4, too. There's only baseball in the Bronx, as you could say. They played today. I thought they had off. See, I didn't even know that. Now so they busy. played. They, they won a walk off five and four, just like yesterday. Oh wow! Are you sure? Uh-huh. All right. We'll, I'm we'll positive. I was watching. Uh, all righty. So, so John, uh, we were also watching. Uh, I mean, it's been a while since I've been on the air. We have a few things to discuss, but the, I thought the best fight in uh, a long time, especially for the heavyweight. There. I mean, we had a great heavyweight fight earlier in the year with Mansour and Kaufman. Uh, and then this one, I think, tops it. Uh, and round five, I think, is penciled in for round of the year for now. Uh-huh. Obviously, and, uh, I would vote for a fight of the year at this point. Uh, Joshua versus Klitschko, what are your thoughts on that fight? 
Yeah, I can't disagree. Uh, you know, that's the thing about uh, uh, expectations. We had expectations, but then again, we weren't sure because we were concerned. You and me, we discussed this off the air that this could be a, a grab and hold fight because uh, Klitschko's been known to do that. We weren't sure what what Joshua would bring. We, he's got some ability, but he's raw and green. So it turned into a roller coaster fight. That, you know, one minute in the fifth round, you're thinking, okay, just as as us geniuses had predicted, Joshua was going to win. And then Bammo in the sixth round, Klitschko knocks him down hard with a vicious right to the temple. And you're thinking, well, all those people that were saying that Klitschko was going to win, they're going to be right. And then Joshua comes back and, and stops him in the 11th. So it's it was... It is the epitome of what boxing is if it's a good fight because it, when it is a good fight, it's a seesaw battle back and forth. You're not sure who's going to win. You start to get a little confident, and then the other guy lands a, a bomb, and you you, uh, you, uh, you you shake your head and go, wow, this is something. But uh, I, I was uh, uh, just totally impressed with both guys. I, I was really imp- impressed with Klitschko. I, I, uh, I had said minutes after the fight ended to Dennis, Taylor, I'd said, hey, he's going to get more respect for this loss than he ever did for a lot of his wins. So uh, uh, it was, you know, you and me talked months ago about the heavyweight division uh, improving and showing a lot of spark and, and maybe that this year would be the heavyweight division. And I think you weren't all that together, sure. I was maybe a touch more convinced than you. But, you know, again, it was the unknown factor. But, hey, Klitschko and Joshua came through big time. They delivered the the goods, and they gave boxing a, a jolt in the arm, I think, and hopefully it'll carry over. You know, we got another big one we're going to talk about here soon on Saturday. Hopefully that one will be a really good one, which I kind of think it will be. So I, I just I love the fight. Uh, it was a it was a super fight. Had you like I said, it had you thinking one, oh maybe it's going to go the distance. Who's going to get the decision? You know, how are the judges seeing it? So it had all those intangibles and that is what epitomizes a great fight. Yeah, the thing that I have been uh, suspect about with this division is are we going to get the matchups, right? Uh, yeah. Are we going to get Joshua Wilder? Are we going to get King Kong Ortiz against anybody of any note? We did get Parker Ruiz, and that was a pretty good fight at the end of last year. Uh, but but this fight kind of sort of just happened, right? I mean, uh, Klitschko, yeah. nobody wanted to see him after that Fury fight. And he kind of walks into this fight with Joshua as a result of uh, Fury being a total and complete buffoon outside of the ring. He can't get it together. So Joshua has to fight Klitschko instead of Fury, the fight most people wanted to see instead. And mm-hmm. it turns out to be a wonderful fight. I mean, the thing that worries uh-huh. me the most about Klitschko in this fight was the age and the long layoffs. Uh, uh-huh. I, I was scratching my head about uh, a lot of these people using the Fury fight as a measure of him being done uh, because, right. you know, and, and, I, and, I, and I told you this, I said this fight is going to, it's either going to be a tough fight or Joshua is going to blow him away because uh-huh. he's not, he, Joshua is not going to fight the way Tyson Fury fought. He's going to force something. And he did, and yeah. we saw the wonderful results of it. And uh-huh. uh, the, the one thing that is not being discussed a bunch, uh, John, and which I talked about at the beginning of the show, uh, was the stoppage. I, at the time, I was angry about it. I, I didn't think it was warranted. I, it was, I mean, Klitschko was not eating clean 
hard shots, the kind of desperate uh, moments that you would think somebody would have to be in for a fight of that quality, a fight that showed for the fighter's ability to come back to have to happen. I don't think that was the moment to do it. What did you think? Well, we discussed this uh, on the Ringside Boxing Show last Sunday. Travis Hartman, professional fighter on our show, was against the stoppage. Uh, Rizwan and myself, we didn't really have a problem with it, but I can see where you felt it might have been uh, in Travis that it was a little premature because the blows didn't appear to be landing real solidly. It's just one of those things, you know, where if, if the referee had not stopped it, and then Joshua had come in with one of those vicious uppercuts and landed, and Klitschko had teetered and fallen and laid on the canvas for 10 minutes, we would have been getting on the referee saying he waited too long. So that's what makes it so difficult sometimes. So I get both sides here. I sound like a wishy-washy politician, but when I watched it, my first thought was, I don't have a problem with the stoppage. So it's one of those discussions. Klitschko didn't complain probably because he's such a good sportsman and he wouldn't complain about anything. His corner didn't complain. Maybe, again, maybe for the same reason. Maybe because they didn't have a problem with the stoppage. We're, I'm just speculating here. But, uh, yeah, I could see it, but I, I didn't have a problem with the stoppage, no. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the minute it happened, I was like, no, this, this fight is way too dramatic and see-sorry, if that's even a word, for that to happen. Uh-huh. Uh, 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 you know, but you know, they, when it comes to the safety of the fighter, uh, I mean, okay, uh, but I, I, I didn't think we had that at that point. Uh, I don't, you know, one punch putting him in that kind of a danger is certainly possible, but the stop a fight based on that, uh, when a guy's intelligently defending himself, when a guy is in the fight and did his own good work and obviously was not quitting. Not so sure that's the right time for it. But as you said, nobody else complained from the Klitschko camp, so we move on. Uh, do you think uh-huh. it'll be a rematch? I was hoping that Klitschko uh, doesn't do the rematch because I don't think he has the man has anything to prove. I, I, I have a hard time putting him up there as a great fighter. I think he's a very good fighter. I think his legacy is secured, even though he's got two losses. I think the Fury fight was just an anomaly. I think he showed, you know, that every older fighter has one great one left in him. He showed that. Uh, I, but it sounds like he wants to fight him again. And you know why, Zoot, because he had him in the sixth round. And if he hadn't been, I think, now the Klitschko people will probably get mad at me about this, and that's fine. I think his cautious nature hurt him in that round because obviously he didn't want to get clocked again by Joshua. So you understand that. But you would think that at that point he should have really been more aggressive. He was somewhat aggressive, but Joshua was Joshua was teetering. You know, he was exhausted. He had gotten planted down. He had been floored hard. Uh, a, a little bit of a, a sense of more urgency, I think, might have won him the fight. But so he that might be bugging him. You know, I know it would be bugging me. I think it would be bugging you that you're like, I had the guy, I had him down. He was exhausted. And I just couldn't put him away. I think I can get him in that situation again. This time I'll do it. So I think that's what he's wrestling with. It sounds like he's leaning towards the rematch. So I won't be surprised. It rarely goes good. Uh, goes uh, goes very well for a fighter in his second fight with a 
with another fighter. I think Joshua learned a lot about himself in this fight, too. He had to dig really deep to come up with a victory. So uh, I I will say it again. I think Klitschko will probably fight Joshua again, even though I'm personally hoping he doesn't. But uh, I think in the fall, it's, it, it, it's, a, it, it's probably going to happen. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought he could have been a little bit more aggressive and uh... – but who knows? Who knows if you could have put him away? Uh, but he certainly could have been more aggressive, and that might have resulted in uh, in a stoppage. Uh, but the other side of it is what happens with Joshua and, uh, you know, what the results are from the boxing community on social media. And, and you know, you, mm-hmm. you get the criticisms of, well, yeah, but he hasn't really been tested yet. And uh-huh. obviously he was tested, passed the test, and instead of saying, okay, all right, he's been tested, I want to see more, what do you hear from a lot of boxing fans? Oh, now he's been exposed. But they, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know why I bother even looking at comments, John, but uh, because <laughs> the stupidity reeks sometimes, and I hate to use that word, but uh, I will, because, uh, I mean, come on, it, it, I said at the top of the show, if your first thoughts were, oh, this is nothing compared to Ollie Frazier, why are you still watching? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> if you if you keep saying, oh, this guy hasn't been tested, he's had it too easy, he's not in there tough, can't be more tested than what he was. Oh, now he's exposed. Yeah. He's been exposed. I mean, it's, 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 it's wacky. Where do these boxing fans come from, John? We are not like that, are we? Uh, no, I, I, th- we, th- he answered some questions for us. I mean, you and I had spoken about his chin. We weren't sure. I mean, he got buzzed by uh, Dylan White pretty badly last year, and he survived and then knocked Dylan White out in the sixth round. Now, this was totally different. I mean, he was not only wobbling around the ring like a guy like you and me after we'd had five or six martinis, if we'd still be standing, but he, he, was, he was exhausted. You know, he was exhausted, too. So you, you combine those two factors, and he was in deep trouble. Uh, and he, he, he showed the, the heart of a champion. He did. You know, the, the thing is, is, dude, he only had 18 fights going in. Now he's got 19. So, of course, there were questions about him. Of course, we knew he was a little raw. We know that he's going to keep learning with each fight. But did he pass a test? Oh, God, yes. And the people that say that now he, he's exposed, oh, well, they're going to find fault with just about anything in a fighter. So that's fine. You know, you're, you're, yeah, you're a masochist because I, I glance at some of the things, I roll my eyes, and I just move on because that's the way it is in boxing. It always has been. You know, there's always going to be a bunch of people out there that are going to find things to complain about. Uh, if, if Joshua had blown away Klitschko in three rounds of a firefight, they would have said that, that Klitschko was finished, that he was over the hill, that he had nothing left, even though perhaps it was a dynamic, competitive fight for three rounds. Wouldn't have mattered. Klitschko was over the hill. Uh, this fight turned out to be very competitive and uh, a better fight than just about anybody thought. I think I, mean, I think I, I put down, I'm tooting my own horn here a little, that it would be very competitive, and then Joshua would catch Klitschko in the ninth round, not the 11th. But uh, even I was just blown away by the, the drama and the gut and the heart shown by both fighters. So if people want to complain, hell, they're going to complain about anything. They're like the people that, you know, when it's 72 degrees and the sky is blue, they're still going to complain that there's one cloud that they can see five miles in the distance. You know, that's just one of those things with, 
with the human species. We always, some of us, want to find something to complain about. And, and in boxing, unfortunately, there's quite a few of those people, and it can be very aggravating. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought Joshua was done when he got hit with that right hand. I, I, I said this uh-huh. off the air. I think uh, the Klitschko right hand is one of the best in boxing history. Yeah. Uh, and if, you could, if all the other aspects of his game was just as good as his right hand, he'd be undefeated. Uh, but uh-huh. uh, that's so. But uh, you know, we we have this possibly a rematch. I wouldn't be opposed to it. The only fight I would rather see is him and Wilder. Uh, in lieu of a Klitschko rematch, but I, I would like to see Klitschko if he feels he's up to it. Uh, you know, get get the fight sooner rather than later because uh, you know what could he do without a year plus layoff? That's also an interesting question to ask. So we'll, we'll uh-huh. definitely see. But uh, speaking uh-huh. of complaining, we have a fight Saturday that uh, uh-huh. conjures up a lot of haters and complainers on the both uh-huh. sides: Canelo yeah. and Junior. And I get uh-huh. both complaints to certain degrees, especially the whole calamity with Canelo and uh, not fighting at middleweight, but now fighting a super middleweight for a, at a higher weight than middleweight. It seems kind of peculiar. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, so the doc, people say he's docking Triple G. I, 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 I get that. Uh, uh-huh. But I don't know. You, you're, you're a reporter. You're on top of this. You live boxing 24-7. And I'm thinking uh-huh. about this. I mean, has Canelo ever said out loud that he can't fight, that he can't make 160? I think it was more of the fact of him and the, the, the Triple G and the Canelo people not being able to come to an agreement. But has Canelo ever stated that he can't make 160? No. From what you know of? No, he's never. No. He's never stated that, and I, I, I personally have always thought, Zoot, that the reason the fight didn't get made was because of the golden boy himself, Oscar De La Hoya. I think he feels that Canelo is his is his, his money train and that the fight was too risky at this point. I think there is some truth to that, and who ended up hurting, uh, who was hurt was the boxing fans. I, ne- I always believed that Canelo, who, right, I, I have a number of friends who despise him, would have fought uh, Triple G last year. I, I think he would have. I think he's got that heart. He's got the, the gonads. He's got the cojones, whatever you want to say. He would have fought him. Uh, now they're really anxious to fight him because they think that he's going down, which is very premature, you know, that, that he's over, that uh, Triple G is over the hill, and he's six years younger than Klitschko. So that's a little over the hill. But I think that Canelo is considered just a, a, a product of a, a great promotion, and he is. But he's also a very good fighter who won a title at 21 who keeps getting better and better, I think. He's, he's, uh, his counterpunching is beautiful, uh, and, but he never gets the credit from people again. And you're right. I mean, he, he seems to be a lightning rod of criticism but for a lot of people. And honestly, I've never quite got it. I, I, just like you, I got the criticism about not fighting GGG, uh, Triple G, especially when he said, I'm a Mexican, I'll fight, you know, and I think he meant it. But then when it didn't happen, I think that hurt his credibility. But for everything else, you know, his fight with Cotto, his his knockout of Kirkland, the guy is the real deal as far as I'm concerned. I, I think he's a very good fighter. He's not a great fighter because great is overused in my in, in my opinion. He's a very good fighter. Uh, so he deserves the credit he's getting. The criticism, I don't think so. Some, yes. 
the degree of it is amazing to me sometimes. Yeah, well, the Your thing thoughts. that I always was – well, in terms of him fighting a lot of fights at Catchway, Cotto, and a few others, I criticize anybody who fights at Catchway. But at the same time, if Ray Leonard could fight at a catchweight and fight for two different weight belts in one night and by most uh-huh. boxing fans be one of the greatest ever, I could give Canelo mm-hmm. sort of a pass for the catchweight. You know, mm-hmm. but, Pacquiao uh, too. Andy Pacquiao. Yeah, Pacquiao pretty much collected belts and then left them and uh-huh. bought other catchweight belts. Uh, so... So for that, I, I you know I don't like anybody doing it. I've been a big fan of Canelo. He's been one of my favorites, uh, and I kind of like tapered off them without this fight at Triple G. But then I looked at it from the business side of things, and business-wise, if I'm De La Hoya, if I'm, it makes no sense to fight this guy unless you're getting the lion's share of the profits. Triple G brings nothing. Uh-huh the table in terms of pay-per-view buys. We proved that with the four numbers in Jacobs, and he's a risk. Uh-huh. So if boxing uh-huh. is a business, if Larry Holmes can self-promote himself to fight Marvis Frazier and Scott Frank instead of fighting uh, some other top guys that were more dangerous, why can't uh, De La Hoya do that for his fighter? You know? Uh-huh. Uh, so it's yeah. kind of torn with it. I get it, because People tell me boxing's a, a business. You're, I said, well, what about fighting for your legacy? Well, you're a fool. I've been told I was a fool if I think boxers <laughs> care about their legacy. And if you're going to be brutally honest, I don't care who you are. Boxers, like, uh, any boxer improves you know, after they're retired about 20 years. Then that old man card conjures up. You might not give, uh, like a guy like Jerry Cooney. I mean, I remember him getting hammered uh, as being a total tomato can of bum when he fought. Now he's beloved. And you know, what uh-huh. changed? He's retired for a bunch of years. Nothing else has changed. <laughs> you know, he still got knocked out early in a lot of fights that he probably shouldn't have. He he, he still squandered a whole bunch of talent. Uh, but he, you know, now but now he's more appreciated because he's gone. So I think the same yeah. thing will happen yeah. when any fight is legacy. I mean, uh, you know, so you know, I'm going all over the place with this. That's only because my thoughts are all over the place with this. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. you got to say that uh, fighting a guy like Junior, although I think it's going to be a dominant performance by Canelo, you can't say that this fight is not a risk. A big, a guy much bigger than you, a guy who's proven he's got some good offense, is a great, probably his best attribute is he does go to the body. Uh, it seems to be uh, uh, you know, pretty tough. Seems to have a pretty good chin, although he got knocked out by Fonfara. You can't say this fight is not a risk, and he fought a very good 154-pound champion in Liam Smith the last time out and knocked him out. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, uh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm starting to get my admi- admiration back for Cinnamon. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think, uh, and this is not a very good comparison, but bear with me for, for a second. I think Chavez Jr. has done somewhat what Danny Jacobs did uh, to get ready for Golovkin, meaning that he is trying to make sure by getting Nacho Berenstein as his trainer, by getting away from a lot of the influences that have been a problem for him in the past, uh, to to make sure that when he fights on Saturday – at least he did everything right, and this is the best he can be because this is the biggest fight of his career. 
And that's smart. And that's what we, you know, we were talking a few months ago. That's what Danny Jacobs said. He came out here to California. He got away from his hometown. He, he trained really hard. He ate good. He probably the best camp he ever had. I mean, fighters always say that, but I think it was very true based on his performance. So that's my comparison with that. I, I think Chavez Jr. is definitely a live underdog. Uh, Zoot. I think Canelo's going to win too, obviously. But I think uh, if Chavez Jr. could hang around with him, is there still a little question about Canelo's, Canelo's stamina? If he can pressure him and start hitting him to the body, the bigger man, the 190-pound man, even though Canelo will probably weigh about 180-something himself, but Canelo hasn't been hit like that before. So if, if he can hang around at around 10 or 11 and Canelo's getting tired, like Martinez did, I mean, it could be very, very dramatic. I really doubt it. I think Canelo's just going to beat him up and wear him down, probably stop him or win a decision. But uh, I think this fight has the possibility of, of, of being somewhat of a surprise if, if, and it's a big if, uh, Chavez can take the shots and keep coming. And, and he's a big guy. So I think there's a good possibility that happens. But uh, uh, I think it'll be a good fight no matter what, though, because they're both they won't have to look for each other. You know, they're both going to be right there. They both throw beautiful left hooks to the body. So we're just going to have to see who hurts who first and uh, go from there. But, again, all props to Chavez Jr. At least he really dedicated himself for this fight, and, and that's what he should have did, and he did it. All right, bear with me now, John. I have to take a very sure. quick break, so I'm going to play some music for John Old and get right back. Sure. So good stuff there, and uh, yeah. So I, 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 for me, this fight, I'm going to put it in the simplest terms as I possibly can. I, I, I don't think much of Junior. I, I think uh, he's all about his dad, but you know, he's here. He's a big, strong guy. He does have some offensive uh-huh. skills, uh, but I, I think Canelo has shown that he excels against fighters he doesn't have to look for. He's not going to have to look for Chavez unless he's yep. totally. <laughs> And Chavez, so I think Canelo's only chance of being in trouble is if uh, the bigger, stronger guy can overwhelm him with his power, which is certainly a possibility. I mean, he's, Chavez uh-huh. is still a professional fighter, has shown the ability to put punches together against other professional fighters. You know, he's fought uh, some big names, even though he's lost against most of his big fights. But 
He's a guy that was losing virtually every round until he had Sergio Martinez in dire straits. Uh, so, yep. I mean, that, that's it. If, if, but if Chavez Jr. cannot overwhelm Cano with his power, and I think we'll find that out early, it's going to be a long night for him and his father. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's very logical. It makes a lot of sense. I, I just think that uh, this is the best, like I said, I'm repeating myself, this is the best we'll see of Chavez Jr. If he's going to ever win a big fight in his career, I mean, he's only lost twice. Never going to win a big fight. This is going to be it. Uh, but the chances of that are are very slim. Uh, I think Canelo will just beat him up and wear him down, like I said, and stop him or win a decision. But Canelo is getting better, and Chavez was never all that good anyway. I always thought he was pretty good, but he was never right. all that good. So that talent gap will probably show itself or rear itself. But hopefully, it's a good fight. The pay-per-view fight should be a lot of buys, I would imagine. This will be the one big one for the year because uh, Ward and Kovalev won't sell very many. So, uh, this, yeah, this this one should be uh, – I just hope it's a good fight because, you know, we're on, we're, we're, we want to keep that momentum going from last weekend. Yeah, and uh, the, the thing about it for me is with Chavez, I mean, he, he, one of the big knocks with him has always been his lackluster uh, – Training, but here we might see the other side of it of him that training was. himself and training over training. I mean, I just had Gene Aguilera on, he said he saw Chavez, I mean, and he looks very drained. So that, that, that could be the other side of him, and it's clear that the guy doesn't know how to train properly. So, I mean, training too hard can also hurt you. I thought that uh, hurt Thomas Hearns big time in his first fight with Leonard. I think he overtrained uh, a, a, yeah. a bunch, and uh, that might come into play as well. Uh, but we'll, we'll definitely uh, see. I think it, however long it lasts, is going to be good action, and uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll get to. It. I know we're just about at the end of your segment, but uh, uh, what do you think the prospects are if Canelo does win? Uh, that he does fight three Gs, as you said, in September. <laughs> I think that if they're going to do it, they better do it this year. If they're convinced that uh, the, the the triple one is is starting to fade, then they better do it because uh, the thing about boxing is, you know, boxing people they're almost they're like politicians. They hate me for doing this, but they have a lot of chutzpah. They don't mind being humiliated. You know, you can't keep talking. Well, we're going to fight when we're going to fight Triple G. We're going to fight him, and then now nah, we're not going to fight him until next year. So they better put up or shut up. That's that's the way I see it because the credibility. Is is on the line here for them, and and if he wins convincingly, Canelo, if he stops Chavez in like seven rounds, knocks him down, bloodies him, does that very impressively, you know the Canelo haters are going to be saying big wow. But that's a perfect springboard to a fight with uh, uh, Triple G September or October or whenever that'll be, because that uh, th- that's a perfect setup, and I think that's what Oscar De La Hoya is dreaming of. That, that this is his springboard to the big fight finally with Triple G. Well, how much of the financial aspect is going to be a factor? There is no reason why De La Hoya and Golden Boy have to give up a big percentage of the pie to Triple G based on the, the numbers of uh, what happened with Jacobs, and especially if this fight does over a million buys. Yep. Right. There's absolutely right. no reason, and the chances are Triple G will find that as an insult. So where do you go from yeah. there? Well, 
I guess what I would do is I would be completely honest. You know, if I said, look, I, I'm, I'm the A side here because I, I sold over a million buys for my last fight, you know, Canelo. And I said, 50, I said 58, 42 cut or whatever, something, just pulling numbers out. And they said no. And then you tried to negotiate and they still said no. Then you go, look. They don't really want to. They don't really want to want the fight. So that would be the only way. Even though people are going to get upset if that's the truth, uh, because that's the way boxing is. Like you said earlier in the segment, it is a business. And if that's the truth, and they don't want that, and they they either don't want to accept the fact that the Triple G can't sell, uh, or they really maybe they don't really want to fight Can- Canelo, which I kind of doubt. But uh, that is the reality. Canelo is going to be in a perfect power position after this fight as long as he wins and he wins convincingly and he's impressive he's going to have everything in his corner to pretty much negotiate everything he wants uh and then it'll it'll really be up to to triple g's team whether they want to eat a little bit here and and if they really want the fight so golden boy and and canelo and all them even though it'll be golden boy can really point their finger at, at, at triple g this time's team and go look they don't really want the fight won't look good but if it's the truth, it's the truth. There's nothing else you can do about it. Yeah, and a lot of this fight completely tanks pay-per-view watchers that yeah. can't see happening. Right. But, uh, I mean, Triple G, they have to be realistic. I mean, even if they get 10%, mm-hmm. 10% of that fight is probably more than what they can make in pretty much any other fight unless uh, they could conjure up a, a, Floyd, a miraculous Floyd Mayweather fighter or something crazy like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Even if he up to fight uh, a ward or a Kamalov. That, that fight's not going to make as much money either. So uh, they have no. to be really realistic uh, about it. So uh, I don't know if they yep. will. Yeah. Uh, but John, John, we're just about uh, done. Anything else you wanted to, to mention uh, about the, the, the fights of the past week or what's coming up on the weekend? And tell us what's going on with you. Uh, now's the time. Well, you know, there is an undercard fight going on that I'm very interested in. It's got a California uh, feel to it, obviously, because uh, Jojo Diaz is from Southern California, from El Monte, where my grandparents lived, and I know that area well. I was born in Southern California, as I told you. And Kino Avila, who fights out of Vacaville, which is about 30 minutes from where I live, uh, are fighting. They're both undefeated. They're both good fighters. They're, they're still considered probably prospects, even though they aren't. Uh, they're both fast. Uh, this should really be an interesting fight. It's not going to be a knockdown, drag out fight, but it should be a very good boxing contest between two talented uh, youngsters, 22 and 23 years old. So I'm I'm looking forward to that one a lot. Uh, it, it's a big fight for both of them because uh, they're stepping up. Uh, neither of them have come close to losing in their career. So this this I'm I'm like I said I'm really looking forward to that one. David Lemieux fighting is always explosive to say the least so that would be good so it's a good card coming up Zud and, and I, I'm happy about that you know I, I hated it a while ago when Bob Arum a few years ago said ah the undercard doesn't matter I hated that because it was so arrogant you know have a good have a good card have good underfight, undercard fights too it is important if you ever watch the fights in England like the Klitschko Joshua fight for example they had about four good fights before Joshua and Klitschko even got in the ring. And they do that all the time. People wonder why the London fans are so passionate. Those cards are always good from the top to the bottom. Right, and right. I, and the old, you know, cards are great like go that, ahead. too. 
I was yeah, saying the old I wish Don. The American promoters would learn that and, and take a page from that that book and do the same thing. But again, there's too much arrogance sometimes. Thank God Golden Boy did the right thing this Saturday with this card. So I'm very pleased about that. All righty, and uh, before you get to anything else, when when you said that they won again today, five to four, I thought you meant the Yankees, uh-huh. who I was pretty positive were off. You were talking about the Cubs. That one five yeah, to the four. Cubs I, won. I misunderstood you there because I was like, I know the Yankees. Oh, okay. Of course, it. I'm always uh, talking about the Cubs. You know that. So there you go. Uh, all right, John, what, what's going on with you? Max Boxing, uh, talk about the book a little bit, how it's doing, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely talk again soon. But uh, I will tell you, I will share my uh, personal uh, announcement right now real quick, as this will be the last show uh, that I have until uh, I move into my new residence, and I don't know how long that's going uh-huh. to take. Hopefully only a couple okay. of weeks, but this will be the last show until I get settled into my new Residents as I am moving, so uh, I, I wanted to get out that, that out there before uh, you left. But uh, moving, not, not into your new gig. moving into your yes. new gig, right? And, yeah, it, well, yes, I already packed up all the uh, boxing DVDs and tapes that I have, so I'm kind of like in withdrawal already. I, yeah, I could go and sit down and watch <laughs> anything pretty much anything on YouTube, but to me, it's not the same. But yeah, so uh-huh. uh, I, I wanted to get that, that out there as well, so it'll probably be a couple of weeks before I get to get back on the air, which is bittersweet. But uh, once I get into the new place, it'll be rocking once again. But uh, what's going on with you, MaxBoxing.com, the book? uh, Give us some uh, little information there. Uh, The book's doing well. You know, we've slowed down a little sales, so now is a great time. You know, uh, Father's Day is coming up here in June, so let's. I think it's a great time. It's a great Father's Day gift, so I hope people want to buy it. The reviews have been phenomenal, as we stated before. There, I I know... uh, uh, there's some outstanding reviews coming out that I'm going to be posting here pretty soon because people just contacted me and said they read the book and they loved it. So, And, and what really makes me happy, dude, is one of these reviews is from a guy who doesn't even like boxing. So when you can uh, 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 entertain and inform somebody who's not a boxing fan and they read your book and they're enthralled, then you know you must have done something right. So that made, that made me really happy. That made my day. Max is doing well. We might be getting another writer on, so uh, I'm always excited about that. A former, an old-time Max writer could be coming back, so that, that'll be fun. So we're, we're doing our best, and you're always doing your stuff. You always take a, a different angle, a different look at things, and I love that, so I, I thank you for that. So, uh, you know, we're, we're doing the best we can do with what we got. All righty, sounds good. Thank you. Enjoy the fights, and we'll definitely talk before we get back on the air, but uh, this will be our last conversation on this boxing talk for probably a couple of weeks. So, uh, All right. We take care. Take care. As you go watch your puppies right. again uh, tomorrow. Yep. All right, buddy. Bet. Take care, buddy. Take care. You too. All right. All right. So we're a little few minutes into uh, Mr. Christian's segment, so let's see if we can get him on the air right now. And how funny was it? I was worried about sharing the number he does at the end of his interview. Hey, Zoo. Hey, Ron Christian, how are you? Right, we're live on the air, ready to go, my friend. I'm sorry, we're a few minutes late, but the previous segments ran a little late because we had a guest come on late. But uh, here we are, my friend, ready to go. Very good. So, Ron, uh, first step, obviously, uh, Ron Christian 
Philadelphia guy, right in smack in the middle of the Philadelphia boxing tradition for many years. Called a lot of fights ringside. Uh, certainly one of the one of my favorite people to talk to about boxing, and uh, I'm going to get your uh, input on a couple of these things. Some of it which we spoke off the air about already, but uh, always good to get you on here live, my friend. And it's been a few shows since you've been on. I've been keep getting. I started getting harassed. Where's Ron Christian? How come he's not back on? Well, here, here you are, Ron. Now it's your time to shine. Yeah, my family is pretty active on the telephone. <laughs> oh, always self-deprecating too. That's you, you gotta love that. Uh, but uh, let's get right into that big heavyweight fight uh, that we spoke a little bit about off the air, Klitschko and. Joshua, and my first thought was, even before the fight started, I think a lot of people were making a mistake judging, overjudging the Fury fight. Yeah, there was a great possibility at age 41 uh, and over a year off from fighting that he might have been done, but Joshua was not going to go in there and fight that same kind of very odd, peculiar fight that Fury fought. So we were going to find out right away what Klitschko had left because he was going to force the issue, and that's exactly what happened. Well, as you know, I was on the opposite end of that spectrum. I was on the end of the spectrum that you're referring to. I fully thought that Klitschko's performance, which was one of the most miserable and feeble efforts, I think, in the history of boxing for a defending champion, I was sure he was done. Granted, Fury fought a bizarre fight that his added height and his awkwardness and everything else kind of blended in to make it a hard fight for Klitschko. But Klitschko had nothing. I mean, he just had no answers at all. Uh, poor punch output, uh, really no power. Uh, oh, I said this guy was done. Rejuvenated him? You think that such a bad performance rejuvenated him? Something did. I, I, I can't get into the man's head, but, I mean, he shocked me to my core. Maybe the first time, partially through this fight, that I began to root for Klitschko in my career. You know, I just have never been a big fan of his, just based on the wow. way he, his style. But I was rooting for him. You know, I was rooting for the old guy. And I loved yeah, him. I don't- I thought the old guy had it there with that uh, big knockdown. That, that was an impressive right hand to come back from and wind up uh, getting a knockout win, speaking of Joshua. But uh, a lot of people are chirping that he was exposed. Now that people are down on Joshua. I mean, not many people are getting up from that right hand uh, and coming back and getting a stoppage win. Uh, it, uh, what side are you on now with Joshua? Uh, first of all, you know, I've, been a Joshua fan for a long time. Surely I knew he was going to win a title. Uh, he certainly had vulnerable moments there, but anybody who gets by, hit by a perfect Klitschko right hand is going to be hurt. Uh, no, the kid impressed me. I mean, I thought it was a very gutsy... Uh, I, I took my hats off to both of those guys. Uh, uh, I thought they were both... That getting up from that knockdown, which was a, just a killer knockdown, I mean, badly hurt. Now, you've got to give a little bit of credit to the fact that Klitschko, very quickly after that knockdown, was shot. I mean, he just didn't have anything left. Um, had he had just a little more 
it just strikes me he would have finished uh, Joshua off. But Joshua did a heck of a job getting up and uh, coming back into the fight and winning it. Yeah, I mean, big, big round, five, round five yeah. was epic, in my, my opinion, the round of the year right now. Because uh, he, he had Klitschko heart out, down. And then by the end of the round, Klitschko was hurting Joshua. Which, and then obviously carried over to the next round with a big knockdown. But uh, the, that round five was one for the ages, I think. I, I, I think if we forget the fact that we're allowed to appreciate what's going on now without thinking about Harry Greb and the past, that round five was one for the ages, in my opinion. Agree. I completely agree. That was, uh, I think, as you said, epic may not be too strong a word. It was a marvelous round of fighting between two guys who were pretty darn good. I mean, we haven't seen a heavyweight title fight like that in an awfully long time. You're talking about monsters, big punches, and the the way they both came back and hurt each other was amazing. The way they hurt each other and and then performed after being hurt. Right. Uh, exactly. Now, what about the you know, stoppage, Ron? I, at the time of the stoppage, I immediately said, no, please, let it go a little longer. Klitschko was defending himself. What were your thoughts at the stoppage? I, I, I thought Klitschko was defending himself, but it's pretty hard to argue. You know, that would be a hard start stoppage to argue with. I, I would have preferred that he be given a little more time. But given the fact that he was at least on a three or four round slide, where he really had nothing left. I mean, I, I was wondering if his right hand was broken. He threw it so seldom over those over those last rounds. It was really just exhaustion on his part. Um, so it's taking the context of that, the fact that he was really out of the fight at that point. Um, although I thought it was much closer on the scorecards than. And the judges appeared to have it, but um, although one guy did have Klitschko ahead, uh, no, I, I thought it was a good. I thought it was a decent call. I, I would have liked to see him given more time, but they, he just hadn't had anything left for the last three or four rounds. So. Well, what about the prospect of a rematch, Ron? Uh, that's obviously in the contract. Uh, I thought that Klitschko was speaking like a man who was talking about having his last fight, but there are, you know, fighters have short memories. They, you know, maybe the next day or two he thinks about it and says, hey, I, I want another crack out of it. This is how I perform with over a year layoff. If I can get this guy back in the ring a little sooner uh, when, when my reflexes are a little sharper, I might want to do it again. Would you be opposed to a rematch? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be opposed to a rematch. It was just too good a fight. You know, I, I much prefer to see these guys start trying to do a reunification. But, I mean, that would be my first preference. But there's just enough barriers to that. Um, and a rematch would be a good second, um, a second best for me. Right. I like yeah, well, well, the, What about you? What do you think of that? Well, yeah, I, I agree. I wouldn't, wouldn't mind a rematch at all. If that's the next fight, I'm there. I'm happy. Uh, but the, one of the natural conversations that have manifested is uh, Joshua versus Wilder, which we touched on briefly in conversation 
but I think that's very unlikely to happen next. So if if that's not the fight, then yeah, a rematch would be what I would want to see next. Right, you're right in line with my thinking on that. I, that's that's the way I view it too. That's the way I view it. Right, Super fight though, there. that was delightful. Yeah, definitely. Rounder, we have the round. I mean, if we have a round that tops that or is just as good as that, we're in for a good treat. Uh, I would vote for that for fight of the year right now. Uh, you know, although I can't say it's a no-brainer or a lock, but I think that round five is going to be when when we talk again in December. That's going to be round of the year. But uh, great fight overall. And we've had two really great heavyweight fights uh, because Mansour Kaufman was a damn good fight as well. So, uh, you know, I would sign on for a couple of more really good heavyweight fights if we could get it. Uh, but the, I think this is the part of the show run that you and I, our lines of thinking, are going to end. Because now we're going to talk about your favorite topic, Canelo Alvarez, as he's taking on Junior, Julio Cesar Chavez, Junior, on Saturday. And when we talked about this on here a couple of times, I was right in line with you not liking the idea. Uh, but now I'm kind of like, you know, I'm interested in it. I'm back on the Canelo bandwagon a little bit. Uh, and, let, and hear me out. One of the things, obviously, on the surface, you could certainly criticize him for taking this fight, uh, a fight that's well, that's well above 160 when he wouldn't when he couldn't take a fight with Triple G at 160. But I'm not so sure that the failure to get Triple G in the ring had anything to do with him not wanting to fight at 160. Maybe he didn't want to fight Triple G at all. I think more of it is Oscar De La Hoya not want to risk him against Triple G, which is not something that's unique. I mean, we've seen that happen a lot. And obviously the business side of it where... De La Hoya in their camp is a firm belief that they hold all the cards in terms of having the biggest portion of the revenue, which is hard to argue based on how bad Triple G's pay-per-view numbers have been. And also, with him fighting a guy who's much bigger, maybe stronger, this fight has to be considered somewhat of a risk. So with all that said, I was a big Canelo fan before he started all of his catchweight stuff. And as I said earlier, if Sugar Ray Leonard is still going to be called one of the best fighters of all time by some people, and he's the one that created this catchweight stuff, not only did he create this catchweight stuff, he rigged the system where he could win two belts in two different weight classes on one night via a catchweight fight, then I'm willing to give Canelo a pass because I like him so much. Have you vomited yet, Ron? Because I, I know what your thoughts. You know, you actually you make some good points. They don't listen. Canelo Alvarez is a magnificent fighter, and absent all of this crap that swirls around him, um, magnificent. He's uh, he's fun to watch. Um, great puncher, quick-handed, nice short punches, and this is. Under most circumstances, he would be one of my favorite fighters. Um, this catchweight stuff, though, he has played to the hilt. Going after titles, he now that you've got a choice between going after 
three or four different guys for a championship, he always manages to pick the weakest link in that. And and your criticism that is on Delahoya's side, you, you're probably right about that. I don't think Canelo Alvarez is intentionally ducking anybody. But the fact that he can go up there and shoot his mouth off about his machismo and still realize the game that's being played by the Delahoya crew, I, if he just... If he took it silently, I think I would have less aggravation. Now, in terms of Chavez, I have to admit, I've been disassociated with boxing for at least several weeks. Didn't he put a catch weight or a a real severe weight limitation on Chavez also, who was having trouble making any weight? I mean, the guy, you know, I can't recall exactly what that was about. I'm not sure about that. I haven't paid much attention to that either. Uh, I want to say this is a one uh, catch weight of about 165, uh, where which he's is, been fighting 168 a lot of his career. Uh, I mean, which is going to be high. Anytime you have to come down, I don't give it to pound or two, which Canelo had to do for Mayweather, it's going to affect you. So, yeah, that, that, that that's a good point. Uh, you know, he's always he, – he's a bargaining guy, you know, but, the, you know – that's what guys in his position do. If you are the top guy, the top, he's the top darling right now. He's the one that gets the, the lucrative pay-per-view numbers. Then he's going to look for every advantage. I mean, all the, he, he's not unique in that. So I can't get too much on him for it. Well, particularly against Chavez, who has been, who's always had trouble making higher weights than that. Um, you know, I. I'm going to reserve my judgment until I see the fight, but I, I viewed this as another attempt by Canelo to get a kind of a strange advantage, and it seems that that's so typical. I mean, I still hear the voice of Bernard Hopkins saying that for Canelo Alvarez, uh, or for Triple G to merit a fight against Canelo Alvarez, he had to fight Sergey Kovalev. And it's that kind of insane, stupid comments coming out of Golden Boy that defending, you know, what is clearly, he's the money boy, no doubt about it. He's the cash cow. Um, I'm very, right now, I'm just going back to the Joshua fight for a second. I'm very envious of England that they can put 90,000 bucks in the seat. Um, You know, if there's anybody in the States or North America they could do that. It would be Canelo Alvarez. I don't, I don't think he could do it either. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, that'd be hard. That'd be hard. And since you brought it up, how about the arrogance of us Americans? Uh, the, here's a guy who could put 90,000 people in the seats where he, where he lives. And us Americans don't think he would be, people don't think he would be legitimate. What incentive would he ever have to come to fight here other than because we say so? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not a great state of affairs, uh, and uh, I think you stated that pretty eloquently. Thank you, thank you yeah. for thank you for making me feel a little worse, uh, but I felt pretty bad before. Hey, uh, but it's, this is the show where we bring it straight up with no twists. I have to do it. I mean, you got to be gotta kidding me. You know, Wilder Wilder can't draw that much anywhere. I mean, he draws a pretty hefty crowd. He draws a decent crowd in Alabama, but nothing close to 90 Gs. 
Jeez. That's astonishing. That's yeah, astonishing. But, but, he, has uh, come here and fight. he has to come here and fight. I mean, what arrogance do we have as a country? It's incredible. Uh, you, 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 he can't. Given the kind of attractiveness, it surprised me that his managers or his promoters were talking about him traveling around the world. Although they did mention they would do that only against much lesser opponents, but uh, uh, my God, why would you ever leave Wembley Stadium when you can draw that kind of crowd and get those kind of pay-per-view numbers? And if I'm not mistaken, he had said, "Yeah, well, yeah, I do need to go to America and fight." So uh, maybe we'll we'll see it. Uh, and but most of the crowd will be people who come from England to watch. When I went to uh, see Michael Conlon's debut, uh, when I covered that fight for Max Boxing. Uh, I covered it. It was a you know that the debut of him, the Olympian, and there a lot of people traveled from Ireland to see this kid fight. There were people a lot, a lot of the crowd was from Ireland in Madison Square in the theater in Madison Square Garden. Yep, you're right. So, so, yeah. so there you go. Uh, but uh, but back yeah, to so this, go ahead. I'm gonna let's just get back to Canelo for a second. You made a compelling point. I got it. I told you I've always been a fan of the way he fights, but right, not right. a fan. Of, but I'm such an anti-fan from everything that swirls around him that it's hard for me to root for him, actually. Yeah. Uh, and I expect he'll take out Chavez very easily because I think Chavez has shown very frequently in the past that he's got no motivation um, to really be a fighter. He, every so often he gets re-energized a bit. Uh, you know, he always struggles to make weight. I haven't heard of how he's how he's doing right now with um, with his weight, but uh, I, I expect that this is going to be debilitating to him. Uh, on top of, uh, I mean, he's a guy who kind of wasted a lot of his potential, um, and it was still pretty good. I mean, he just he just had the potential to be a lot more than this. I think. Uh, so I, I don't I, think. At his, at his best, he's a very good body puncher which is something that should always be taken into consideration. Uh, so so there you go. I mean, you know, but obviously back to, you know, Can- Canelo's my guy. He, he's been my guy. I, I got off him with the catch weights a little bit. I mean, I have a Canelo shirt, Ron. I have a Canelo shirt that I plan on wearing to the Boxing Hall of Fame if he wins. Uh, but, you know, I in a perfect world, he would be more like Marvin Hagler than Ray Lennon when it comes to those advantages, but he's not. But he certainly fights more like uh, Marvin Hagler and Ray Leonard, so I, I got to take it as it is. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, eh, brother? I do know. I do know. I, I can't disagree with the many positive attributes of this uh, of this young man. He is uh, he's quite the fighter. If I could shut my ears to everything else that goes on, and maybe I should, right. but I still look at this as a fan more than a participant in the sport of boxing. Um, All right, so it just aggravates me. Left in the, the live feed, Ron, so we'll go a little longer since you came on late, but before we go off the air live, I want to once again say this will be my last show uh, until I move into my new place, and I'm not exactly sure how long that's going to take, so might be off the air two, three weeks, but I, I will be back once uh, we are settled. But in the meantime, you can go to Block Talk Radio, iTunes, and listen to all the archives. Remember to go to ringsidereport.com and maxboxing.com for all your boxing fixes, and follow me on Twitter at Zoot29, Z-U-T-E-2-9. I will be watching the Canelo fight live. I will be probably tweeting about it, although I usually don't like 
to tweet about fights live. Uh, number one, Ron, it breaks the Constitution. And number two, I have to read some really idiotic statements by some other people that make absolutely no sense. And let me give you an example. As I talked about this earlier, uh, and we are now officially uh, off the live feed, but everybody will hear this on the archive. I was covering Porter Berto. Let's just talk about that for a second. And as I'm covering Porter Berto, I'm covering it, you know, for Ringside Report. I'm there. And I'm also trying to look at Twitter and tweet about what I'm watching. And I see comments such as, Berto is holding too much. I see comments as, Berto had no right being the A-side in this fight. I mean... You got to be kidding me. As a reporter, you're a professional, a reporter, professional reporter is worried about which fighter got disrespected on the A side. Where have we gone? I know I hate the old man card, but where have we gone? What are these young kids thinking, Ron Christian? Uh, It worries the hell out of me, my friend. It worries me. Uh, You're a courageous man going on. Social media is brutal, and uh, it brings out the absolute, it exposes the stupidity. Yes, I, I don't want to be this arrogant boxing fan that I despise. You know, those guys that are like, oh, you don't know nothing about boxing, or you obviously never saw this guy fight. Or but sometimes the comments are crazy. One guy criticized Klitschko Joshua because they didn't go to the body enough. Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> great body attack in any of his fights. I mean, come on. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's think, it's hard I, to, I, uh, you to you throw yourself into the cesspool. Yeah, you you throw yourself into the cesspool, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. <clears throat> Excuse me. But yeah, I mean, I, I only keep social media more or less to people and involved about the show. I don't think I'm going to do much on it otherwise because it just, the, the, the comments that I hear, it's just, sometimes, and some of the comments, you wonder why these guys are still watching. They're stuck in 1972, 1971, and they can't get out of it. But anyway, yeah. let's, talk, let's not get into any more trouble. Uh, let's talk about, uh, so where, I mean, we, we talked a little bit about, but now what about the, the fight itself? I'm under the impression that Chavez's only chance is if he could overwhelm uh, Canelo with his power. I think that's very unlikely. I think, like you said before, uh, he's going to be—he's going to kill himself to make this weight. He's going to be drained. I mean, he might very well uh, rehydrate and, and be close to 190 by the time this fight uh, takes place. And I think that that could be dangerous for anybody who's fighting. Uh, he's fighting, I know, Canelo, I'm not sure. He'd probably be about 168, 170. But Canelo excels against the kind of style Chavez brings to the table. I think the body punching might be dangerous. But other than that, I don't give Junior much of a chance here. What do you think? Chavez got, well, particularly after I completely misconstrued the Joshua fight, I've Probably my confidence is a bit shaken, but I'm going to go out on a limb. I'll give I'll give Chavez a 10% puncher's chance. Um, you know, he, he the one thing he always had was a heck of a punch, 
But Canelo, to me, has shown a good chin also, and maybe a real good chin. And I, my only hope in the fight is that Chavez is able to test it because I would like to see him nailed by a big puncher, um, you know, a half a dozen times and see how he does with it. Um, but he's always shown a good chin. I may, I'm going to shrink it to 5%, uh, Chavez, puncher's chance. Well, that's amazing because a lot of you were saying that. You said 10%. I said, I'm saying to myself, yeah, I would think more 5% than any change. So I want to give myself and my Jedi mind trick uh, skills credit for that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it, dude. Keep telling yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, but yeah, the other thing I'm thinking about is when I think about fights, Ron, uh, I, I think I try and visualize what both fighters look like, what I've seen from both of them and their other fights, and I try and match them against each other. That's how I approach these fights. Obviously, there's X factors involved as well. But based on how I visualize this, I think the fact that Canelo is so much shorter and smaller than Chavez might be a hindrance to Chavez, especially That's going to take away, I think, him punching down on a shorter fight is going to take away, I think, his most effective offensive element, which is the body attack. What do you think about that? Um, well, I think most of us try to figure out how two styles blend together. And, and, and one of the big X factors is that it's hard to imagine it because when the, when the two styles do blend together in the ring, it's hard to know... You know, who would have thought Fury would have confused Klitschko so much? No, not, not me. Um, but I think, I, I don't think it's going to be a big, I don't think it's going to be a big uh, uh, drawback, the size disparity. You know, if anything, I think it helps you this, you know. But, again, if he can Chavez is... certainly going to help him. If he could keep him at distance, will he be able to? Do you think he has that ability? Because my line of thinking is his ability, even though he's a big, tall, strong guy, he's always more effective on the inside. If this fight's on the inside, I favor Canelo. I favor Canelo. Anyway, I don't see Chavez being... I would be shocked if that's his tactic. Because he is an effect. He is most effective on the inside. He's not a brilliant boxer by any stretch of imagination. I mean, he's a fair boxer. His chance is on the inside. And, of course, that does play to Canelo's strength. But it's also Chavez's strength. I mean, I can't see either one of them suddenly be turning into, uh, into uh, a boxer. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, in most cases, uh, inside war favors a guy with the, you know, a smaller guy with a shorter reach, I would think. But we have to wait and see, like you said. But uh, I think that's what makes this fight intriguing. No, they, neither one of these guys are going anywhere. They're finding each other and finding each other quick. Oh, this is a must-see fight. I mean, and if Chavez can hang in there, it has the potential to be another rep. If he can hang in there, which I don't think he can. Now, what about the fact, I asked Gene Aguilera this earlier, uh, Chavez Jr., is he anywhere on the planet close to the fights he's getting if he doesn't have the namesake? Oh, that's an interesting question. I, I wonder sometimes if that didn't wasn't a drawback to him, though. 
I mean, because he certainly was a successful fighter and he's had a number of good fights. Um, I wonder if he might not have been a little bit hungrier had that name not been there and that he could have perhaps achieved uh, greater stardom on his own. But it's also possible that you're 100% right, that he wouldn't have uh, even reached those heights. I kind of look at it the opposite way. I think he would have been better off without uh, carrying the weight and load of the Chavez name. I think he could have, uh, he would have been a hungrier fighter and um, and a better fighter, all things being equal. That's that's my view on that. Yeah, interesting take there. Yeah, because I do you think he has more skills than uh, people who have given him credit for over the years? I mean, anybody that has a consistent body attack has to, uh, you, know, you have to give him some kind of credit because it's not easy to do. Uh, you know, not that any of this is easy to do, but. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, we didn't see anybody punching in Klitschko Joshua, so they're a bunch of bums. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> yeah, I do. But, yeah, so, 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 so there you go. Well, what about the comments that De La Hoya made that this is the biggest fight in Mexican history? Do you agree with that? Oh, God. I, De La Hoya, when it comes to talking about Canelo, it's just... Uh, you know, I mean, I don't, I do not dislike Oscar De La Hoya for both what he's accomplished as a fighter and as a promoter. But everything he says is hyperbole when it comes to uh, Canelo. It's a big one, though. You know, I mean, it's a big one. If he was, uh, if Chavez, you know, if Chavez was the current champion and then undefeated, you know, I might even go along with him. But that's that's not uh, that's not the case at all. That's pure hyperbole. It's not true not the biggest fight in Mexico. It would even be hard to pick the greatest fight in Mexican history because there have been so many great ones. Um, so that's that's, bolo- that's more baloney. <laughs> not phony baloney. Well, obviously the first question you got to ask yourself is when Oscar said it, was he on the sauce or off the sauce? I mean, because uh, I've seen Oscar get uh, a little riled up when he's uh, intoxicated and he says some outrageous things. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Indeed, that's correct. So yeah, I know I, I don't. Like, I don't agree. I like Oscar. Obviously, I don't agree with everything he does with Golden Boy. But uh, you know, when you're in a promoting position where you're in the business, you're going to make decisions that are not always in the best interest of the fans. Unfortunately, that is how how this sport works. As I mentioned earlier, I mean, the good old days weren't so good either. I mean, if a guy with the talent of a Jake Lamada had to take a dive in a fight in order to get a title shot. I mean, uh, we don't want to go back to those days either, do we? But and as a fighter, I always liked De La Hoya. He's one of the first real Olympian golden boys, obviously, that I actually liked. I mean, I, I thought he went out of his way. I mean, he really didn't dunk anybody. I, I, you know, he performed well. I thought he'd definitely beat Trinidad. I, I thought his fight with Corte is an underrated classic. So I, I never understood the criticisms for De La Hoya either. I mean, I could have did without the stocking pictures, but hey, that's his personal life. He's had no business being out there anyway. I, well, Mexican fans don't like that pretty boy stuff. I'm, I was a huge Oscar De La Hoya fan. I, I'm with you completely, and every and literally everything that you just said, and I agree with you. Um, he was he was a terrific fighter, and he did a lot of good for the sport with Golden Boy. Um, but you know, I'm 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 just tiring of this Canelo thing. Um, 
I'm tiring of it. That's all. That's uh, and, and I probably make a bigger deal of it because I do love the kid the way the kid fights. So I'll, I'm going to take a lot of what you just said to heart, and uh, I'll try not to say anything bad about Canelo Alvarez between now and uh, let's say tomorrow noon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously the frustration lies with not getting to see the Triple G fight yet. I mean, hopefully we get to see it later in the year, but who knows? I'm not even banking on anything like that. But at the same time, we got to be realistic, and if Triple G is not willing to admit where he lies in terms of how we share this financial pie, then how much blame does he have to take? Because reports say that he was offered a $10 million flat fee to take this and said it was an insult. But is he making $10 million against anybody else? I mean, I raised that question to some of my guests earlier. I mean, it's hard for me to imagine, say, for something crazy like Mayweather fighting, which is never going to happen, for him to make that kind of money anywhere else. He's not going to make that kind of money with a Jacobs rematch. He's not going to make that kind of money fighting the Eubanks kid or Saunders. He's not even going to make that kind of money if he moves up and fights Ward or Kovalev or another big 168-pounder. So if he's you're, not you're, willing... That's an excellent point. Excellent if he's point. not willing to accept his status of not being as big financially as Canelo, can we start taking some of the blame? Or, because if this is a business, that's how we have to look at it. I hear it all the time, Ron. I, I know I've repeated it a million times, but I had people chastise me. You don't understand the business side of boxing. So I'm trying to. And on the business side of it, it makes no sense for Canelo to take this fight unless he's going to get the king's ransom. And it doesn't seem like Triple G is willing to do that. Or the Triple G people. You, you can argue this one both ways to death. and I, But I completely, I understand your position completely. You know, if Triple G were willing to take the short end and uh, suck up his pride, uh, the fight might be makeable. I, you know, I'm I'm just not really sure. I, I so distrust Golden Boy right now when it comes to anything having to do with him that I don't know we're getting the full story uh, of all of the conditions that got laid out. Who knows what the story is? But I think this might be the time because Triple G, at the same at one time, I mean, he hurt himself. He hurt himself twice in terms of uh, the Jacobs fight because he didn't overwhelm and a lot of of people were killing him but people were killing him anyway before that but obviously the pay-per-view numbers were horrible but the fact that he didn't look overwhelming against Jacobs might help in terms of getting Canelo and Golden Boy to make this fight be willing to make this fight but this fight is not going to happen I don't think if Triple G is not going to recognize his status as the B-side probably the best he's going to get, 15%, maybe 20%. Eh, I think we're pushing it now. But we're talking about still probably the biggest payday he's ever going to make, regardless of the percentage. You made a terrific point, and I'm going to take a step back. And uh, and in all seriousness, I think I, I've thought the same thing at different times, and then I just get picked off again with the whole Golden Boy thing. Uh, 
I think that that's a very, very valid point to make, though. And uh, we'll see. I mean, I hope Triple G sucks it up and uh, and takes mm-hmm. it, and uh, and let's get to see what these two guys can do with one another. And that's going to be a beautiful fight. Okay, so now here's two scenarios, Mr. Christian, that could uh, allow Golden Boy, if you will, to lose some of their bargaining power. Number one, fight tanks, pay-per-view-wise. Number two, Canelo gets knocked out. Which one do you think has a better chance of happening? Does either one have a chance of happening? You know, sure. I, 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 oh, this fight, given his Mexican popularity, I mean, I think this is a big fight for uh, uh, the Mexican uh, community. Um, this is going to big. So I think it's going to have big numbers. And uh, I think, as, as we've already agreed to, has that 5% chance of uh, upsetting the apple cart. Uh, you know, he's got a 5% chance. So there's always that shot. And you're certainly right. Those, either one of those two things, although probably more importantly, uh, Chavez winning the fight. I mean, obviously that all of a sudden throws everything askew. Uh, I'm not even sure I'm rooting for that. Again, I have rooted against Canelo several times, but Canelo was such a bright light for boxing. It's the same way that, even though I predicted Andre Ward to beat Kovalev, I wasn't rooting for that to happen. Because I thought Kovalev was so important to the sport, the excitement that he generates. Um, and not that it's like a death importance, but yeah. it's important to have those kind of bright lights in the sport. And Ward is frankly not that. I mean, Ward is not an exciting fighter. He is, right. But he's a brilliant. Right. So yeah, I, I've never no, been, I don't want to see Chavez win. Never been a big Warren fan. I was certainly rooting for Carl the first time around. Certainly thought Carl would have won. I thought he won a lot more clearly than you did. But uh, I'm getting a little disturbed. I don't know how accurate it is. And uh, it's, again, social media stuff, so I don't even know if I should take it uh, uh, seriously. But it is something I take very seriously. If any of these uh, reports about the racist, racial slurs that Kovalev has been making will force me to root for Andre Ward, like he's my son. I don't know if you've heard of any of that stuff or anything to it, but this is, it's more than one time and more than one place I've heard Sergey Kovalev uh, making a lot of racial slurs. I did not, I actually have not, I, I, I heard a brief, a brief mention of that. Um, but I didn't think it was, uh, if, if it was widespread, uh, you know, he might have said something uh, in the anger of the moment because he was so sure that he won the fight. Uh, but if he perpetuated that kind of thinking, that's uh, that's not the greatest sign in the world for the uh, for the character of this guy. And uh, but I have to right. say that it wouldn't be amazing for a Russian or Ukrainian to take those I kinds of positions. I don't want to make a broad statement, but I just did. Yeah. Uh, that is, oh, yeah. uh, you know, certainly realistic. Yeah, I mean, I, I, if I go to I go in an area Drodzneka, I'll hear racial racial slurs to the cows come home. That's why I moved out of that area. Uh, so uh, yep. you know, only people in the Bronx would know that. So. <laughs> but I'm sure everybody has a neighborhood like that so close to them, unfortunately. But it, it would be sad for me because I, I was I've been a, such a big Kovalev fan for many many years, and I'm not really a Ward fan at all. 
But uh, that would make me root for Andre Ward big time. Or should I say Big Lee? Since we're talking about Rachel. <laughs> Well, Ron, we're, we're pretty much at the end of uh, the rope. I just want to say again, uh, I uh, always appreciate and love having you on and talking to you, and uh, I hope to get back on the air soon. I would definitely hope to be back on the air before the Ward Kovalev rematch and have you on talking about it, but uh, I will start a hiatus as of now as I am moving and as if I'm sure you know how hectic and uh, crazy moving could be. So until I'm settled into my new residence, this will be uh, a hiatus that we are going on, my friend. Well, good luck on that. Oh, thank you, sir. And anything else you want to uh, talk about, something we haven't touched on, anything you want to nope, discuss? No, I'm, I'm, I'm good for the night, my friend. I'm good for the night. Now, you've given me some things to think about. I always appreciate talking to you. Yes, yes. That's what I try. I, I wouldn't be on here talking if I didn't think I had anything uh, crucial to say. Even if you don't agree with it, I make you think. Do I not? You got it, Duke. <laughs> All right, well, we'll definitely talk to each other. Are you going to watch the fight live? Are you going to attempt to watch the fight live? I know you usually have uh, issues with your pay-per-view company. But uh, is that your plan, to sit down and watch this uh, card live? Ah, uh, that is my plan. I'm going to stay off Twitter, but I will be texting you, Ron Christian. Thank Absolutely. you for coming Great. I'll, I'll, be, I'll right. be going back and forth with you. All right. Have a good night. You too, man. Take care. All right. All right. Yeah, so that's about it. Uh, and, and, again, uh, I have to look more into this, but this is not the first time I heard uh, Kovalov attached to racial remarks, uh, you know, and uh, – you know, I've never, I was never a fan of Hopkins, but I thought he uh, crossed the line with uh, some of his racial stuff, uh, especially with the Calzaghe fight, with the disrespect of the uh, Puerto Rican flag, uh, with the Trinidad fight. Although I bet on Hopkins when I was in my, uh, that was when I was in my reckless gambling days, and that was one of the biggest paydays I ever got was when I bet money on Hopkins. But uh, Never, you know, so you know, I, I don't go for that no matter who it is. Uh, one of the reasons why I have lost a lot of uh, love and respect for Ali when I was a huge Ali fan when I was younger, not so much now. I wanted to really, other than really watching his fights and thinking there's a lot there that's happening that's not, if you really sit down and watch those fights, I mean, some great wins for sure. Uh, you know, Grilly Manila, one of the greats, I mean, but. Uh, Total respect for Ali, but certainly lost a lot of uh, personal respect for him in terms of uh, the whole Uncle Tom stuff with uh, Smoke and Joe, although I do love the side of Ali that uh, went against the war and all that kind of stuff, so it's a complicated thing there, but uh, racial stuff, if you know me, that's it, I'm done, so hopefully it's not true what I heard about Kovar, part of me doesn't even want to investigate it, but I have to because I cannot root for a guy who's going to uh, make racial remarks. Now, realistically, <laughs> you, you might get that to say, well, then you can't root for anybody. But this guy should know better in the social media world, and uh, he got in trouble with this uh, once before. I gave him a pass. So I 
wasn't actually quite sure that he knew what he was, talk, who was saying or if he was racially intended, and I'm not sure it's like that now. But uh, I will definitely try and investigate it before the rematch. But uh, that's it for now. Again, I will be back on the air soon enough. Hopefully, enjoy the fight. And until then, ring the bell. I don't know where the bell is on my switchboard, so I'm just going to have to say it and not do it and keep on punching. It was a teenage wedding and the old folks wished him well. You could see that Pierre did truly love the mademoiselle. And now the young monsieur and madame have rung the chapel there.